Today is Thursday, May 25th, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, we get political and talk about the announcement of DeSantis and how he's running for president. And then we talk about whether or not, if he gets the nomination, if Trump will blow everything up and run third party. Um, then we talk about health care between our Canadian friend who joins us regularly, Michael, uh, who's also an atheist. I don't know. Does Canadian and atheism go hand in hand? Hmm. <laughs> Anyways, we talk about healthcare, socialized medicine, how you'll see. Um, then we talk about numbers five. Is numbers five a prescription for abortion? No. You have to read into that. You, you can't say that. It is clearly not a prescription for Christian abortion. Which, by the way, Christians weren't a thing then. It, it was Judaism. And no, it's still not a prescription for abortion. Uh, that takes some interesting web weaving to read that into it. Anyway, so we talk about that and then more. Um, what are we in talking about? I don't know. It's a pretty decent discussion. Gets a little tempers flaring. Uh, surprise, guess the topic that does that. Anyways, uh, check it out. Share the podcast links with people. And read the Ask a Christian book available on Amazon, uh, Kindle. It's free if you have a Kindle Unlimited subscription. Yippee. And check out the Ask a Christian store. Grab a t-shirt, support the cause, and click the donate link. All these links are in the podcast description. Support us sharing the gospel with people on the internet. Until next time. Speak of the Michael. Hola. Welcome. Ah, how's everything going on this Thursday morning? Uh, just began. So uh, when's the last time an old friend has betrayed you? <laughs> I just, I saw oh, that that was uh, one of the yeah, rooms you were in. Yeah, it, uh, yeah it, it was a really good, it was actually a really good conversation. I met a couple of really interesting people. Um, yeah, I, I shared a, I shared a story of my, uh, um, of a betrayal that, that I had. It was, yeah, not, uh, not wonderful. Certainly don't need to rehash it here. Um, unless you want it, unless there's nothing else going on. <laughs> well, um, that's the topic to beat. Oh, really? Jeez. Okay. Um, yeah, basically I, uh, I had a friend who was like basically my closest friend for 45 of my 52 years. Um, and, uh, I shared something, I shared something with him and, uh, the, it was met with the most, um, the, the ugliest response I could have possibly imagined. Uh, and as a result, um, we are we are no longer uh, in touch, and it's uh it it I'm I'm still I'm still mourning the loss of that uh, of that friendship because it was, um, it was the most important friendship I had in my life through all my formative years and you know through going through adolescence as you know, um you know idiot teenager uh you know boy and stuff like that so, uh yeah terrible terrible thing but you know you uh, um. What's that uh, Alanis Morissette song? The only way out is through. Of course, you would follow it up with an Alanis Morissette title. Uh, so, so out Queen of all your, Canadian. So, so out of all your years of living, he finally found out you're a closeted D and D player, and he couldn't handle it. Oh no, he was one of the uh, he, he was one of the people I, I mentioned yesterday. Um, the people that you know played with for forty plus years. And and we we still like we're still in the same group together, but uh, but oh. we're not. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're still in the same group together. But the but the, um, the the magic, so to speak, is gone. You know, we're just now acquaintances. Um, yeah. So. Well, 
feel free not. I mean, yeah, I don't want to pry, but I'm thinking in my head, well, you seem like a pretty, you know, traditional, normal guy by, I don't know, human standards. So, I mean, unless it's like a coin collection that he found offensive or, I don't know, you liked the same girl in high school and that, like, rubbed him the wrong way. Um no, it, it's a, and it's funny. I mean, I've, it's one of the things that I would, um, and, and it's got nothing to do with you. Uh, like it's got nothing to do with you personally. It has more to do just with the, with the, the, uh, the, the area in which we are. I probably just, it's not something that I would share. It's not something I'd share on social media. Um, but you know, like if, 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 uh, if you and I ever have a chat again, you know, kind of privately, like, you know, we did, you know, kind of before and after you, you were on the podcast, I would tell you privately, I don't have an issue with telling you privately, but it's not something I'm going to air here. Oh, sure. But I mean, if I ever find out you've had, you have six toes, then, then we're definitely, uh, can't be friendly. Damn is it. it. Michael, is it the, is it the drinking of the baby blood? Was that what he found? <laughs> It wasn't the bl- it was it wasn't the blood so much. It's that I didn't separate the plasma first. There you go. You, you found it out. Hey April, welcome. How are you? It's been a while. Um, uh, serendipity. Welcome. What's up? Good morning. Good morning. Happy Thursday to you. And to you as well. Hey Nate, can I ask so something I can- political for just like a minute? Because there's people here I want to hear from on it, and I just now is a good time, maybe. Sure. Okay. Just no. Given the news yesterday, um, Michael's an American, so I'll break it down for him. Um, Ron DeSantis, my governor, um, North American, in the great state of Florida, uh, announced a presidential bid yesterday. Um, do you guys think? And Michael is included in this because he follows some stuff, but. Do you guys think that if DeSantis defeats Trump in the primary, that Trump would run as an independent? Uh, uh, no. I mean, I, I can see, like, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think that may be, like, the first time in Trump's life where he's like, you know what, I've done enough. Because he, I mean, you know, he's getting old. So, like, it's just my guess based on nothing. Because everything we know about Trump would say yes, he would, you know, he would uh, be very angry, and he would do that and tank the vote. Um, but I, I just think maybe, given his age, that if he somehow didn't get the primary, he'd probably be like, you know what, I've done enough. I'm just going off into retirement and enjoy my billionaire lifestyle. Um, that's just my hunch. Originally, um. When, you know, prior to DeSantis actually announcing that he was going to run and, and anybody being really sure what he was going to do, I, that's what I worried would happen was that if, if for some reason he did not win the primary, um, he would just run as an independent, but I tend to lean more towards Nate now and thinking that, and I don't know why, because he hasn't shown any sign of this up to this point. But I think that if if he doesn't win, he he may back down and just kind of more or less be like, this is on y'all. I would say never underestimate the power of a narcissist. Um, and I, I actually think, um, I did see the announcement. Um, I, actually, I actually think... Uh, DeSantis will uh, defeat him in a primary. The reason I think that is because 
Um, and, and again, you know, bias is accepted. Um, DeSantis is crazy enough right that he will, because he's so much younger, I think he will attract uh, people who may who may well be Trump supporters, but may look at him, you know, as just an old guy now. Um, and so I think he he may still attract enough. Um, but I think I think one of two things will happen. Either he will run as an independent and he will alienate so many people by saying, you know, can't believe how stupid all you people are, blah, 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 blah. Um, not understanding that it's his base that he's insulting because he's that he lacks that degree of self-awareness um, or or he will just, you know, say, uh, much like serendipity said, this is on you guys, you know, peace out and just disappear, which is what well, I, I think, hope for. Well, I, I think to a certain level, I mean, everyone has to be a narcissist on, the, on that stage, right? Like, I mean, DeSantis, like I would say that's a fair dose of narcissism, you know, when he's like, what, 40 points, 30, 40 points behind Trump in the primaries. Um, and I, I mean, you know, I, I like DeSantis. Like, you know, if, he, if I wasn't bored and he wasn't my governor during COVID, I probably would have got myself in trouble. I make mask. I, I can tell you where to put your mask, um, you know, and things like that. Like I don't really like being told what to do, um, especially when I'm like out and about in the city and I'm, or, you know, I'm, I'm not around anyone, like no one is being affected. So anyways, uh, like if, if I wasn't poor and he wasn't governor during that time, like the education battles, you know, that's going on down here now and stuff like that. So I really like DeSantis and I really like what he's done and I really like him as governor and I'd like him to stay our governor for a while. Um, so, but I, I don't like how he's trying to like, you know, kind of insert himself. I think he's, I think he's like been talked into it uh, probably against his will. And he's kind of been like built up to where he's now like, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the emperor with no clothes, right? Like how people have been talking him up. So now he believes that now's his time to shine when I really would love, you know, this next cycle to go by. Cause I think Trump was robbed. Like you don't have to go full conspiracy and be like, you know, Aliens stacked voter ballots, you know, 20 million to one. But I mean, you, you can just look at the Durham report. You can look at all the stuff we already know. Like, you know, the media is super biased against the guy, like all these other things, the Hunter laptop, the 50 CIA agents that are like, oh, it's Russian collusion. Turns out they all lied. So, I mean, it was stacked one way or another. The guy got robbed, uh, whether a little bit or a lot of bit. It was not right. Um, so uh, just that, like, I, I, I think he, you know, should have been president right now. In which case, I would be happy for DeSantis to run in 2024. But I, I personally, I feel like the scales need to be righted. So there needs to be, you know, some sort of election without, you know, the entire government, uh, you know, lying about a candidate running and then let the cards fall where they may. If Trump gets it, I think that would set the balance right. If he doesn't and things are, you know, fair, there's not like people like whole three letter agencies outright lying against him. Um, then at least it was fair and, you know, whatever. So then. I think it would be, you know, DeSantis in 2028. That's my stance. So as long as Trump is on the ballot, that's who I'm voting for just because so many people hate him and so many of the people who hate him, like, are freaking evil. Like, their policies, the stuff they want to do, like, I mean, just look at the news. So that's my feelings. Chris, yeah, what do you think? think? That, you know, oh, sorry. what Elon Musk let out with Twitter, you know, Elon Musk, all the files that came out about the FBI, the White House, all the all the attempts to to rig everything and, and you know, uh, frame Trump. <clears throat> I think it's pretty clear he got robbed. But I don't know. The question on the table I, I is, do you I, I think he'll run as I'm a... I'm so glad Philip's not here to, like, freak out on me. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> the, the question on the table is, do you think Trump will run as a third-party candidate if he loses the primary to DeSantis? He might. No, is my answer. answer. 
I think it's definitely possible. I don't think you can rule that out. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't vote for Trump, you ain't Christian. I don't know that I get behind the whole, he was robbed and it's not fair, so we should just hand it over to him. I I don't know that that demon to make him president again. I think if you, you know, ignore ignore all the news that came out, you can believe that. I mean, I just don't know how you can not say it, right? Like, again, like, either if you don't think it's a lot of degree, like, just the Hunter laptop, right? Like, you know, everyone, everyone polled is like, you know, that was like a, a, like, even the Nate, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. I'm not saying I don't think that there was an impropriety that caused him to lose the election in 2020. I'm not, I don't disagree with any of that. That doesn't automatically make me feel like, oh, my God, I got to write this wrong now. Um, oh, well, no, for you, maybe it doesn't, years, but for me, it does. Yeah, it's four years later, and I, I think political climates have changed. The economy has changed a lot about our, our country and our government has changed in the last four years. And Worse. So I'm just not convinced now that he's the man to – I don't know that he has the ability to step in and fix the things that need to be fixed. Right. Well, I will and say well, – well, Trump has moved to the left, like considerably to the left. Well, I, I Trump mean, I was say, never a Republican. No, no, of course, Trump was never a Republican. I agree with that, Michael. But he has since he has since moved radically to the left. Well, I want to hear about that in just a second. Yeah, I was going to ask. Right in what now, ways, Chris? Well, hang, yeah, hang on. Well, so first, I would say, you know, still, like, based on everything he says, like, you know, if he completely ran off the rails, which maybe Chris will enlighten me in a minute. But I mean, as far as you know, the policies and you know our current funk that we're in with money, with wars, all this other stuff. Um, I still think he's by far the best person for the job. If I didn't, then I—I I mean, maybe I'll be like, "Yeah, he was robbed. Don't care. I'm voting for someone else now." Um, but I mean, I still think he's the best for our current issues. Like, you know, largely. I mean, he—he he did blow up the budget a lot. I don't like that, but I mean, who hasn't? Um, but yeah. So, Chris, uh, what radical left turns has he taken that maybe I'm completely unaware of? Uh, well, abortion and all the pro-life communities wants his scalp. So, well, what about uh, what's his policy on that? I know DeSantis wanted six weeks, and he said that was too early. That's all I know about right. that. So does he say? Well, that's outrageous, right? So, so I mean, yeah, I mean, Trump is a is has never been an an abortion warrior. You know, he's he's always been a chameleon. Um, you know, and then I think in terms of winning, all he's going, all DeSantis has to do is say COVID, Fauci, bricks. Well, wait, hang on. And Let's then back play up. all wait, wait, wait. of the video of Fauci getting the Presidential Medal of Honor from Trump. Well, hang on. That, we that's asked it. For... Game over. Ah! Done. Okay. okay, well, let's go one at a time. You said abortion, but all I, all, I, all I knew was DeSantis signed something that said at six weeks, and Trump said that's too much. So you didn't follow it up, Philip. So what specifically right, so... has Trump done on, on abortion that's... So Wait, now he's saying he's saying that uh, that abortion should just be left up to the states instead of doing a national thing, which again, right to life is really angry about. I mean, you can go and read all of the pro-life people that are really super pissed at Trump. I mean, it's not me. I mean, I don't think the president has that much to do with abortion anyway, except for Supreme Court justices, and he's already done that. So, well, yeah. If that's what the, else if does that's he have to ex- offer us on abortion? Nothing. Like, what does well, he yeah, have I mean, to offer us on the budget? Yeah. Nothing. He blew the budget out. Like, Trump is not so has a conservative. Well, no. Um, you know, the, the, here's the thing. 
again, I still want to know from other folks on the panel if they think Trump would run as a third party candidate. You say no. Dippity says no. Nick says maybe. What did you say, Michael? Did you say yes? Oh, yeah, for sure. He will. I think he'll run as an independent. Yeah, I say go for it. I waffled a little bit at first, but I believe he'll. I think his ego will force him to run. Agreed. Okay, so Marquis well, agrees. Lou, go, do you agree as well? Do you think he'll run as a third? Yeah, I think well, he should go one issue at a time. The last thing I would say is on the abortion thing, you know, if he if he says kick it back to the state, fine. That's what every pro-life person has wanted forever, and now he did that. So if they're wanting more, fine, I get that. But, you know, I'm happy kicking it back to the states. Now the governors and right. citizens can vote. Okay, then he's on. turning around uh, and Lou, saying six yes? weeks is too soon, and he's saying it's brutal. He's saying all of these things that pro-abort people say. Like, he's gone pro-abortion. Did, like, Trump is not a... You, didn't you say that, that he presidents don't have any influence on, on abortion other than picking the judge? Didn't you say that? So, any theoretically, any president that you put in there wouldn't have an effect on any kind of abortion. So, Nate was specifically asking about policy... But he does have he does have an effect in terms of being the leader of the party and where the party goes. And so with Trump being president, if he ended up getting president, I think he would be destructive. And and the other thing is, too, he's never going to be president if the only way he is president is if he defeats DeSantis and he's running seven to eight points up on Biden right now. But so are you now saying just for clarity that presidents do have an effect on abortion? Not policy-wise, but in terms of being the leader of the party, yes. But policy-wise, what I said is it doesn't matter because the policy from the federal level used to be dealing with the you know ideas of uh, sorry um, dealing with the ideas of um, Supreme Court justices. Now that that's off the table, you know what is he going to do for conservatives? Nothing. But 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 Lou, let me hear what you think. Do you think Trump will he run as a yes. third party? Yes. Said, yes. Chris, I wanted to address that. Why not? Well, let me, let me address that, Lou. So if he does, the only reason to do that is to be a spoiler to DeSantis to split the Republican vote so the Democrat gets in. So you're saying your guy should elect a Democrat if he doesn't get to be president. He, he should get, he should get I, Biden. Actually, he should be I, on the Biden re-election campaign and get Biden re-elected because that's what's best for the country? I would actually argue the opposite of what you're saying. I would say DeSantis is young. He's young enough to, to go vice president. The next time, I think he should he should come alongside Trump, let Trump finish what he started, and then come alongside him, and then come alongside him, and then go for presidency, and then he'll have my vote as well. I, th- I think I, what he's doing now is being divisive in itself. And, and I'm, I'm not talking about Trump. I'm talking about DeSantis. I like him. I agree with you. I just think I just think timing is bad. Like, why why would he start? What, knowing in the the condition that the country is in right now, why would he go to do this? I mean, why? I mean, country first, right? That's my that's what I'm thinking. Well, I, I agree with Lou, and I, I want to type some loose ends. Like, I want to keep talking, but we keep leaving so many loose ends that. Let's just stick to one thing at a time. Right. So I think I everyone said. I, I, I think. Ah, hang on. I, I think everyone's pretty much given their answer about whether they think he'll run or not. So the next thing you said, what does he have to offer conservatives at this point? Well, at this point, like, forget the conservative liberal. At this point, you know, it's a country that is in great peril to save. 
So whether it's not directly something that will benefit hardcore Christians, you know, he's already done, you know, kicking Roe versus Wade back to the States. He's already done right to right to try. Like, you know, he's already done lots of pro-life and like Christian type things like Religious Freedom Act or, you know, whatever that was. I don't remember the name. But it was like, you know, promotes religious freedom. Like he's done a lot of stuff for like the Christian pro-life you know, group on like a moral front. Now it's like, what does he offer, have to offer conservatives? The thing, same thing he has to offer to liberals and even the people who hate him, which is, you know, foreign policy, getting us back from the brink of war, which if anyone can do that, I think he can. I think DeSantis is so much of a, you know, nice guy or professional politician or moderate that, you know, he will, he will try to toe the line and not be nearly as effective at stopping the, the crazy stuff with China and Taiwan, Russia and Ukraine, all this other stuff. Um, and other threats that will show up in the next four years, I think Trump is enough of a, you know, unstable person, which can work for his benefit because they're like, wow, we don't want to test this guy. And, you know, look at his record. Now he has one to run on. He said we would have peace and everyone scoffed and they're like, oh, we won't have peace. You'll get us into war. Ah, ah. Turns out it was the most peaceful time since I've been alive. There was like no one threatening us the entire time, regardless of the reason. So he's got that to run on. So there's more of a reason to trust him than to doubt him because now we see it happen. Um, so I think, you know, that and I think just getting our country back from the mess that Biden has left us in. And I think what's happened is a lot more people who were against Trump, even now, they may just swallow his mean tweets, even though he's not on Twitter anymore. So that's a thing. He won't be on Twitter. He'll be on his own platform. And even people who are like, oh, I don't like the way he acts. Now they've got a dose of four years of what, you know, some kind words, which, by the way, Biden does not have kind words. He's like pretty divisive himself in speech. Very but, you know, they chose they chose they chose nice words quote nice words over a, a mean tweets and now our country sucks and you know everything is going up inflation's out of control which was not under trump but anyway so that's what i would say so i think he has plenty of off to offer everyone conservative or not so what was the next uh, next topic Mer uh, apostle you wanted to say something about abortion yeah no i wanted to say i think i think that trump's perspective even though it might seem like a a, a major move for him I think given the things that you've already brought up that he did are going to be probably the smartest moves, right? Pete Mobile, I feel like he's a loose cannon. I don't think he's an idiot, right? Um, especially since, you know, um, uh, the big push in the last four years, whether it was the, the mandate for the jab and a lot of those different things is you have a president that's making unconstitutional, um, you know, uh, uh, things. And, and, and there's been plenty of presidents to do that. But if you've already gotten it back to the states, then him saying, oh, I think this should be a state problem is literally just deferring that to what the Supreme Court has already established, which is, as you said, helpful. You know, so he's in alignment in the way that I would expect a reasonable president to be and not trying to overturn, you know, some other branch because of subjective reasons. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think his movement in in that perspective is going to be hey i'm going to do what i can do on the federal perspective you know let's six weeks is unreasonable even if he's not pushing that most people don't know that they're pregnant until like week six week seven week eight and i'm saying that having had four children you know it's easy to get through that point and not know so that seems even from you know, his side, it's like, well, if I'm going to be objective, that's not reasonable because most tests probably won't even show an accurate pregnancy reading until like week six or week seven. Right. That's the um, point, Marquis. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And I get what you're saying. I just think 
from his perspective, rather than trying to devote a lot of energy towards trying to push what states will allow, which is beyond the presidential purview, then let me just say, hey, this is a state issue because that's what Supreme Courts have already done. And let me focus my attentions elsewhere. And even if I say that and it seems like a move, that might even grab a few more voters who are like, oh, okay, maybe he's a little bit amenable, even though he's really not. He's just agreeing with what the Supreme Court has already said. So I don't necessarily see that as a, a non-thoughtful move, if that makes sense. Well, I just saw like Belarus and Trump just signed a, an agreement to uh, have uh, Belarus is going to like store uh, tactical nuke, which there is no tactical nuke, it's nukes. They're storing nukes in Belarus now, just in case. So, I mean, you know, what? where does pro-life stop? Like, you know, what is, what is, I, I and by the way, you know, Roe v. Wade, so it's a win. But even if he doesn't, like, go even further on abortion and make that a platform, um, would you say, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, you know, abortion is good, and he's done stuff, and justice is on that. But, I mean, you can also say it's a pro-life thing to, you know, have Russia not drop nukes or, you know, have the U.S., where our genius politicians were calling for preemptive nuclear strikes. So, I mean, you know, less nukes can be seen as a pro-life movement across the board. Less people dying, right? Like, I don't think that's a bad thing in his town hall on CNN that he went to for some reason. You know, he's like, look, I just want everyone to stop dying. So is that a bad position? You want everyone across the board to stop dying? That sounds pretty pro-life. Yeah, it, it, well, you know, what's interesting is, yeah, I can't, I, I don't think it's reasonable to disagree with that statement in particular. Um, from a somewhat, from a somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but also somewhat... Um, self-serving perspective. Um, another personal benefit to Trump not getting in again is when Trump got in the first time in 2016, um, y'all you, you, broke our immigration website. Um, <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm serious, like the, the government of Canada released a statement that the immigration website was disabled by, you know, like, and I think one of the top Google searches was, how do I immigrate to Canada? Um, so and I, I, I mean, how many people I actually did, I wonder, that um, is fantastic. I, it, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's a good question. I don't know. I know that I had, um, uh, we have dear friends in Kansas city that went once he, once he got in, they very seriously considered leaving the U S. Um, they didn't for whatever reasons they didn't leave, but yeah, just again, you know, somewhat tongue in cheek, but yeah, d don't break our, don't break our internet. We, we, we just got internet. Don't break it. I mean, because I mean, I know a lot of people who did uh, threaten, like you know, every celebrity ever. Um, turns out they're still here. Uh, go ahead, Chris. I mean, Michael just convinced me to get on the Trump train with that argument. So thanks, Michael, or Nate, thanks you. Because I mean, the more leftists that leave the country and move to Canada, like I'm, I'm super excited about that. If we could move the entire population of New York City to Canada, that'd be sweet. Yeah, they're, they're so much better. You, you know what's funny, but it's because from from my perspective, it's like so. Okay, I'm curious. I'm a New um, Yorker. Anyway, go ahead. No, I'm 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 curious. So of the of the people, um, Chris, you wanted to run your little poll. I'm curious about this. Uh, how many people on stage think Biden is a leftist? Uh, yes, but not as much as people want to give him credit for. Like, I think he's definitely far left of center just on his own. But the stuff he's doing now, he, do, he doesn't even probably know. Like, he's being controlled. So he's, yeah. he's farther left now 
than he would otherwise be. Like, even if he thought those leftist policies like he's doing now, he wouldn't enact them. He would be a little bit more moderate than that. So, so yeah, he is left, but not to the degree he's acting. He's just following orders and doing a great job as a puppet. Yeah, Biden doesn't That's even know think... what Biden doesn't even know what vanilla pudding is any longer. Like he's a complete invalid in a house plant. So like, does it matter what his political ideas are? No, because no one has anything to listen to him about. Like no one cares. His administration's running the show, not him. And Robert Bork. That's all I have to say about that. Biden is a leftist, even when he was in his right mind. Yeah. So it, it's interesting because from so from from a Canadian's perspective, um, if if Biden was here, he'd be running for uh, like he'd be in he'd be running the Conservative Party of Canada, which you know which which, which is a tantamount to our Republican Party. Um, he yeah like he's he's barely center. Like he's barely center from, from our perspective. He's like, he's, he's more right. Um, like you do have a handful of quote unquote leftists, you know, in, in the, in the American government and in the house and stuff like that. But Biden's not one of them. In fact, I don't think you've had, from my perspective, I don't think you've had a leftist president, um, in decades. Obama. No, center right. But I mean, I think that's from a Canadian perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, admit it. Yeah, by you guys are, you guys are. When you're defining candidate. that, yeah, it's two different definitions. Yeah, I mean, you guys, your Overton window is so far to the left that your Marxists are considered conservative. <laughs> Although, if you are going to kick uh, people out. Uh, send Bernie up here. We'd love to have him as prime minister. Would he be like a super Trump conservative up there? No, no. Bernie would be so. So there. So Canada is a three-party system. So we have the conservatives, which would be your Republicans. We have the liberals, which would be your Democrats, and then we have the NDP or the New Democratic Party, which is which is essentially um, like so like so far left, like so far like like me, so far left. You're damn near falling off the edge of the world. Um, and, and that's, that's where Bernie would be. Bernie would take over the, the NDP party in about three and a half minutes. Um, and I think he would, he would be the person who would be able to, to take the NDP all the way for sure. So, so what, what, where else left is there to go? Like, you know, if, if Biden and, you know, the things he and his administration are, are doing are right of center or whatever you said, um, what would make them more left? It's like, you know, Kill your baby after they're born. That's fine. I mean, that's pretty. That's you know, pretty left. Like you know, they'd like to have you know, full on socialism. So are you are you saying what they'd like to have versus what they can actually get? Or I mean, what what else are they doing that could make them more left? Like what is going on in Canada that's we, more left? Wait, do you guys really believe that Trump is a uh, is a conservative? Trump actually said something about that. Doesn't uh, sound like Michael. Even... No, I, I know it doesn't. But you guys are going on about Biden, this Biden. This. First of all, you, you guys said that Obama, when Obama was president, he was the worst president. Now, now it's Biden. Doesn't Wait, make any sense. Who, who who said that? No one said. I actually didn't hear anyone say Obama was the worst president. Oh, somebody brought someone, somebody said Obama. Nobody, no, someone said Obama. Someone said Obama was liberal. Somebody. Why are you even talking about Obama? Doesn't make any sense. Because it came because up in the conversation. Yeah, talking they about said he was liberal. Listen, he, was he not a president? 
was uh, all I'm saying is this though: you guys are uh, talking about Obama and Biden as if Trump is some sort of a savior. No, Trump, no, Trump. that's no. a that's a logical jump, my guy. That's a logical right? jump. And you're There's like half those. the people on stage who hate yeah. Trump. You picked the wrong room. You need to read it a little better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For real, that's like you're barking it. up the no, wrong tree. I'm saying, I said you guys. Forest. When I said you guys, what do you mean, you guys? I mean, some of you. That's what I mean. I no one on mean. stage has said Trump is a savior or even implied such things. We said I'm that Trump, Trump, right, Apostle, Apostle, I'm Apostle, pro you're pro-Trump, right? What? You're pro-Trump, right? The I'm probably the most pro-Trump, and I still have big issues with Trump. Yeah, vaccine right. Stuff, so, like, again, you're problem. barking up the wrong tree in the wrong forest, my guy. Like, no. we're talking about, so we're doing comparisons between Trump and Biden. Then somebody no, no, said Biden, something about, hey, has, uh, I think Michael said, I don't think you've had a leftist president in the last decade or two. And then somebody said Obama, because they were saying Obama would be a leftist. He's super liberal. And then for the last maybe five to seven minutes, we've been discussing the different nuances in the Canadian conceptualization of liberal or moderate or conservative versus the American conceptualization of said parts. That's where we are in the conversation. So again, listen, get in the right guys, forest and then bark listen, at the right tree. Listen, I heard you guys give Trump all kinds of accolades like he was a second coming or something. That again is a logic. That's a major logical leap. Conflation, straw man. You're like literally dripping in fallacies right now. <laughs> what you say? Just say it's not true. Just say it. That's it's not true. It's, it's, I don't. It's it's a logical what you're saying. I've already said it's a logical leap. As in you're Listen, you're way off base. You're barking up the wrong me, tree. Yes, I will say it explicitly. You I was just told you were pro-Trump. That's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's not irrelevant. It's not irrelevant. It, re it is. It is. Okay. I'm I'm right, pro-Trump in that. a conversation yeah, about so between Trump and Biden. I'd prefer well, Trump over Biden. So, yeah, I'm pro-Trump. Yeah, let's go to Michael, who I actually asked the question to. Like, that's Thank crazy. you. Like, I, I said I was the most pro-Trump one here, and I still have big problems. And the next thing he says is, you all are pro-Trump. And then I'm like, half the room hates Trump. Is like you all are per Trump. There's nowhere else to go. Um, but yeah. Michael, yeah, what 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 is more left in Canada that that is not here? Like you know, people are you know like uh, like moral issues, abortion issues. You know, the the kind of thing is like, well, you know, when the baby's born, I guess decide to keep it alive or not. And you know, as far as like socialism, you know, it would be well, you know, let's do that. So so what what are some of the more left things that we could be doing that is apparently being done in the nightmare snowscape? <laughs> It, it always it always makes me it always makes me giggle um, the 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 extremes that sometimes the people go to um, I've I've never I've never met anyone who knows anyone who talked to anyone who even thought about um, post birth abortions but that aside um, there is one glaring one uh, which I know I can already I can already hear Chris's eyes rolling um, but it's the the the, the recognizing of healthcare as a human right. Okay. I mean, did you want to? Did you want to like a, an audio eye roll? Or? No, 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 no. It, it it came through already. Like I can already hear it. Like you're, you're <laughs> that's right. You're, the, the noise canceling on your on whatever device you're on isn't good enough to, to stop it. I, I heard it come through. No, it, it's, <laughs> and, and it's it's fine. And what about and we, seizing you know, we, the means of production? Can we yeah, agree on we, that? 
it's, see, <laughs> see, it's not about it's not about that either. So like there's there is an ocean of difference between communism and socialism. Right. There is an ocean of di- and, and, and this will sound harsher than I mean it to. But, Chris, your wife has has a poli sci degree. Get her to talk to you about it. There, like there's an ocean of difference between those two things. Right. No, no, I don't know. I don't know anyone that lives within the border, the, the Canadian borders, who advocates for communism. But there's a difference between a socialist approach and a communist approach. And and like I said, it's you know, and again, this this will also sound harsher than I than it mean than I, I mean it to. But I, I hear so many people kind of beating their chest about America being the greatest country in the world, and I'm like, in my mind, and again, present company accepted, because I because I like and care about a lot of people who are on this stage right now. But America doesn't even make the top ten as far as countries in the world. You are the richest country in the history of humanity and there are people who lose everything they have because they get sick and that is a travesty anyway i'll get down off my soapbox now. well i would agree I with would that for- <clears throat> but the, the solution to that is not government the solution to that is living in community and i think that a lot of the problems that the left wants to try to solve are attempting to solve those problems um, without the benefit of community and having the government attempting to solve, you know, like the war on poverty, all these other things, there are negative, what we call in economics, negative externalities that occur. And when something is done in community, the pivots can be quick. The judgments can be fair. When something is done in government, you have a bureaucrat 2,000 miles away making decisions about your life. That's that, what we that is a, Chris, that is, a, that is such a misconception of what socialized medicine is. I carry, I carry a card in my wallet. It, it, says, it says health and sante, which is French for health. I take that card anywhere, anywhere in the country. And I show that card and I get taken care of. No phone calls are made. No, nothing. It is just, it, it is, it is a propaganda that is sold to the American people that, yo, you don't want the government making decisions about your health care. It is not government administered health care. It is government paid for health care. That's all. All the government does is write the check. They do not make the decisions. That is propaganda that has been fed to you, spoon-fed, and it has been swallowed whole sauce by the American people, by insurance companies, and by their advocates. Period. Full stop. So I do have a question. I I have a question about that, but first, just to tie up another loose end, um, all it takes is one example, right? You said you have never heard of anyone who advocated for post-birth abortions. Um, So one example, and then you can't say never. Uh, you know, Governor Northrop, the former governor of Virginia, um, he has quite a um, quite an audio file or, or it's video like he did a whole press conference about it, talking specifically about post birth abortions. And he was given like chance ever chance to walk it back. And he didn't. So he was like, no, after the baby's born, we'll keep it comfortable. We'll wrap it up nice and keep it healthy and comfortable. Then we'll have a discussion with the mother like, discussion about what it's like, whether or not she wants to abort it. 
They're like, you're not talking about killing a baby after it's born. It's like, no, no, we're just going to wrap it up real comfortable and then talk about the mother after it's born and all comfortable if she wants to abort it. Like, you're literally saying you want to kill a baby. Anyway, so there's your example, so never say never. Yeah, um, yes, that's a psychopath. And, 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 that's a psychopath. Okay, well, a psychopath. Right. Psycho but that psychopath so, was elected was psycho twice to the governor of Virginia. Yeah, he was a psychopathic governor of a state. Um, but, Michael, um, then uh, explain this, because I, I don't know, um, based on what you said, that um, so many Canadians like come to where I live to nest for the winter, and so many of them will talk um, about their health care. And, you know, they'll say, like, you know, if you need, like, a very minor thing, it's fine and it's good. But if you need, like, you know, like some sort of special care or special surgery, a lot of them specifically wait until the winter when they're going to be down here and they get American insurance and they go have their, like, you know, extreme procedures here because they, they complain either about the – I don't think the care. I think it's, like, the wait list or the time it takes to get it taken care of is so long that for big procedures, they just wait until they're in the States to do it. Why is that? Right. So, so there's a difference between uh, emergent and elective, obviously, right? So th there are lots of people who will, who, will take the, like, who will take an elective path and go elsewhere. There are private. You can have private procedures done in Canada, right, that aren't paid for by our, by our government-paid healthcare system. That does happen. But there, there is not a case where if you show up at the emergency door of a hospital with an, any emergent condition. Not in America either. Well, well, no, exactly. But what I'm, but yeah, but what I'm saying is, is that, is that there, okay, hang on, let just may finish my point and then I'll address what you said. Um, that, that it will be taken care of without question. And there is, there is just never ever a case where there's a bill it just doesn't happen and 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 for uh, to what I, I forget was it serendipity was it you that, yes. that said that i was sorry okay pardon. okay no I, I apologize um yeah i i understand that there are safety nets in place uh w within the u.s to to take care of people uh who, who can't uh, who can't take care of themselves but the <clears throat> It's the the insurance and the premiums and the copays and all these other things. Like I have I have a couple of friends who are nurses um, uh, in in the U.S. and the loopholes that they have to to jump through to be like you know in in system or out of system or, or program or something. I forget exactly the the terminology that's used and all the things that have to be kind of paid for before insurance and things like that kick in. And it's just it's it just seems so foreign to me. And again, my bias is accepted. Um, right. It's, you know, it's just, it's, it's not something that seems, and, 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 and ironically, just to kind of you know, put a, um, um, a, a Christian twist back on this, it would be my thought that um, the Christians would want everyone, every single solitary person, to receive the best care possible, regardless of their ability to pay. Okay, uh, can I respond to you on a couple of levels? Because there were of a course, questions, yeah, for sure. Like I, I genuinely want to ask you because I was going to bring up the same point that Nate did. That um, yes, for you know emergent care, 
you can walk in and have it taken care of and walk out and have no bill. But I've, I've had the same experience with my Canadian friends and that like friends that need to see specialists for chronic conditions, things like diabetes, heart disease. Um, it takes them months and months and months to actually get in to see their specialist and to get the treatments that they need. And so that, that is a problem for me with socialized medicine. Another problem for me is it's not, unfortunately, just as simple as the government writing the check and paying the bill. Because when the government is writing the check and paying the bill, they're authorizing which treatments are medically acceptable and necessary and which ones aren't on our behalf. Uh, just like the insurers do right now. Um, <clears throat> but you're talking about handing that kind of control and that kind of power over to the government. Well, yeah, there might be this new age cutting technology, but it's really expensive and we don't want to pay for it. So you're going to do this over here. Um, that's, that's one of my big qualms also about socialized medicine. I will grant you our healthcare system is atrocious. We minimalize competition between insurers because they only have to compete within the individual state that they choose to offer. Amen. <laughs> we have we have so many problems with our healthcare system, but even in spite of that, I would say by and large, when you're dealing with chronic illnesses and you're dealing with overall healthcare, I would take the American system over any. And and yeah, you know, we you anybody can walk into an emergency room and have life sustaining care. Nobody is ever going to be turned away in an emergency room if, if they're having a heart attack or they're, you know, suffering from some kind of emergent type issue. And yes, you do hear these, these sad stories of people who medically bankrupt themselves opting to go with the best care necessary to try and save their lives. But you also, our hospitals literally write off billions of dollars every year in indigent care as well. Just write it off and make it go away. So it's not perfect, and it's it's seriously flawed. But I, I I still find it to be better than socialized because I don't want the government to be able to make the decision that because my diabetic needs insulin that he has to use shots because it's a lot cheaper than the seven thousand dollar insulin pump that will make his quality of life so much better. I don't want that. I don't want those decisions in their hands because they're writing the check. See again, that's just yeah. Un unfortunately, and and it's terrible that if you've if you've had people who've had experiences like that, um, I'll, but I think a lot of that comes down to the to the doctor, right? And and the doctor making the decision. I'm n I'm not a medical professional, but you can always go to another doctor, right? I I have I have friends friends more acquaintances I suppose. Um, with 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 both type one and type two uh, diabetes, um, a couple of which use uh, like needles injections, things like um, I, I forget I forget what it's called anyway. But also people who have you know use the the, the pump things or whatever. Um, and the, I guess it's just not it. The experiences I guess you've had I've I guess I've just never heard of. Right. I mean, like I said, I, I can go anywhere, and I never ever have to take uh like when i go see when i call my when i call my doctor and make an appointment or go in to see them or whatever whatever it is um i just take my health card with me right 
there, there, there's no, there just aren't any bills. And, and what you said before about, you know, the, the government being involved, they're, they're, they're not involved. Healthcare decisions in Canada are made between a patient and a doctor. And there are all types of, there, there are other things that I didn't mention before, uh, types of um, systems that are in place for, for when the government, for when, because there have been times um, that the government has said, you know, we don't want to pay for X, Y, or Z. That, that does happen. But that same government, like this, so they don't want to pay through it through, through OHIP, which is like in Ontario, it's the Ontario Hospital Insurance Plan, administered, like, you know, administered by doctors, paid for by the government. There have been times when OHIP have said, you know, we're not going to pay for this. So, but this, that same government has systems like the Trillium Fund, so tr- uh, Trillium because Trillium is, the, is our province's flower. Um, where you, you go to, you basically, you, you contact Trillium and you say, this is what I need and OHIP won't pay for it. And they pay for it. So, like, there are there are other government administered programs to pick up the slack when when the traditional OHIP structure itself won't pay for those types of things. But anyway, Nate, I apologize for taking your yeah, me too. Sorry, I just... down there, down that the no, thing. Yeah, it was interesting, and yeah, I mean that was one of the things. By the way, that I have a, tro- a problem with trouble with uh, tro- blah 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 and speaking. What kind of therapist helps with that? But serendipity, you were talking about the artificial lines and insurance. That's one of the issues I do have with Trump. That's one of the promises. Yep. He did a lot. He fulfilled a lot of his promises. That's one he, he made. I don't know if he actually promised that, but well, that was definitely one of his campaign things that uh, he, he wanted to get through. He said he was going to get through was getting rid of the artificial state lines, and he didn't. So that's one issue I have, um, and I, I'm not happy about that at all. Like I think that's completely stupid and asinine to have these imaginary lines. And also the insurance typically follows your work. I hate that idea. Like it's great for someone who has a career for 50 years, like Fauci, like, you know, they're stable. They can have their insurance or whatever, but people who, you know, like uh, are in a fluctuating job field or something like that. And they're, you know, every year, every couple of years, they're switching insurance or switching jobs, stuff like that. Different companies, companies go out of business. They come back with a new name. It's new insurance. Like that is so stupid to have insurance linked to your job. Anyway, that's all I'd say on that. Uh, but yeah, Michael, you guys, uh, do you guys want to hear something radical from the, from the radical side? Do you want to yes, fix radical. the American, do you want to fix the American healthcare system? This is coming from an economics perspective. Do you want to fix the American healthcare system? It's very simple. I can fix it in 10 seconds. It's not a complicated problem. No, okay, you make, you make health insurance completely illegal. No one gets health insurance for any reason. You put all of the insurance companies out of business. You immediately shut down anything between a doctor and the patient. The doctor pays direct. I'm sorry. The patient pays doctors directly. And you know who that would hurt? Hospital systems. Like all of these people that are getting the gravy off the top, building billion-dollar hospitals. You suddenly go back to. I need a service. I pay for that service. That would fix the American healthcare system in 10 seconds flat. But no one would ever want to do that. And if they can't pay for it? If they can't pay, they better be part of a community that can help them pay. And that would encourage people being part of a community. I'm sorry? And if the community can't? Well, then then there's, there's charitable stuff that can happen. You know, so like, you know, I mean, again, we already give away billions of dollars every year, every hospital system to indigent care. That's not going to change. 
The difference is that the middle class who is getting taken to the cleaners, they would now have choices. Instead of paying insurance companies, they pay doctors directly, and you would see healthcare costs plummet. I mean, plummet. I guess yeah, I, I, bet yeah. we would, I, I wonder if we would finally, if that really happened, if we would find a uh, like a cure for cancer, quote, find a cure for cancer, and the pill would be like 10 bucks. I wonder. So That's it's funny. This is something, sorry, I just want to talk about this very specifically. Um, because my, my wife has been a cancer fundraiser for 19 years. And in her career has raised over $210 million. Um, there is no such thing as a quote unquote cure for cancer. Um, and the reason there's no such thing as a quote unquote cure for cancer is because cancer, when you break it down to the lowest common denominator, all cancer is, is rapidly dividing cells out of control. That's what cancer is. Um, a, long, uh, a long enough timeline, everyone will get cancer in their life if they live long enough, because this is just part of how the body breaks down. There are as many different types of cancers uh, as, as can be listed. And there, there is no thing where, oh, here's the pill that will stop that. It doesn't exist. Okay, can I speak now, please? Sure, Liz. Yeah, go ahead, Sir Deputy. It's Liz. Um, oh, sorry, Liz. I was just going to say. Oh, no, I see you. I, I've seen people come up with these type of solutions and it's like this big, oh yeah, so we just do this and it's going to change everything. And the thing is, the problem is now you're dealing with what's going to initially happen if that's done is patients are going to get socked with extreme, extreme costs that they can't afford and the onus will be on them to find those charities and to find those things. And that has to be like, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know how you make those kind of changes like that. You know, I'm yeah. not saying it'll ever happen, Liz. Like no one's going to ever have the courage. Like I can fix the border crisis in 10 seconds too. That's easy. You know, like all, of these, for problems, president. Chris yeah, for all these problems are easily solved. It's just that yeah, people Trump do not have I don't just know. Just to kill everyone you know, shows up. Do you guys want to hear my border solution? It's really easy. So you use Rico, you go after every large company that is a billion dollar a year or more company um, that is hiring uh, undocumented workers. You convict their entire board of directors under the Rico Act. You publicly frog march them off to prison for 20 years each. Uh, all of these multi-million dollar CEOs. And suddenly people will no longer have the courage to hire undocumented workers and all of the people that are coming to the border to get a better life undocumented instead of going through the immigration system, that dries up in five minutes because no oh, one will hire communist, them. Communist, what huh? about the ones coming to live off the government? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, but there's, there's solutions to these problems. Like Trump would never do that. Trump would never go after companies that are hiring undocumented workers. It's because he's using it as a club to get elected, he doesn't actually want to solve the problem. He could care less about well, the border but it problem. Seems, but if you if you believe statistics, which I get are questionable, like if the FBI does them, but I mean, you know, if you believe in statistics at all, it seems like when he was in office, there was a huge dip in illegal border crossings and immigration. And before that, it was a huge, it was up. And after Trump, it's incredibly up, like more up than it's been in the last like 70 years. So, I mean, sure. it seems like you can say he doesn't care, but maybe it was just happenstance when he was in office 
there is yeah. a huge dip in immigration. It's, so it's not a huge dip. I mean, statistically, not, statistically, it's it's just it's just cutting around the edges, because John Lee is actually I can't believe I'm going to say this sentence. John Lee is actually correct. Neither Republicans nor Democrats want to solve the border problem because it is a consistent fundraiser for their campaigns. And so the whole problem is, is that no one actually wants to solve these, these quote unquote, intractable problems because there is absolutely no political will. And there's no political will amongst the American people because they continue to buy into the charade because it makes them feel better. Right. It's all a game. So are we going to like continue to hijack this room with politics? Because this is all a game. It's it's. Just... Yep. That's why I just like politics. I just all well, I wanted to know is have... if people thought that Trump was a villain, and what we that's got right. was most oh, people I can't do stand think Trump. Trump is that, that's... Go this Trump. Whole... Okay, so Liz, do you have? Wanted to say that. Yeah, anyway. this is all anti Chris's idea. <laughs> See what I did? Um, yeah, Liz, yeah. do you have a more holy holy? I'm calling him the Antichrist. Um, do you have a more holy uh, topic? To write this ship, Liz. Um. Um. Well, it's, I. It's it's funny. Yesterday, Chris is like after our our big arduous debates with all these people, and uh, you know he's like, guys, we should just talk about the gospel and the saving grace of Jesus. And now the first thing today he's like, guys, I have a political question. <laughs> I mean, in all seriousness, I I can I just get a little bit of a soapbox here because. Well, actually, I'm a kind of a hypocrite because I just said, like, we're hijacking the room. So. We'll embrace your hypocrisy. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. That's so why I have a, the <laughs> laughing emoji. <laughs> That's why I have the laughing okay. emoji. We'll enable okay. you. All right. <laughs> Stop. You're guilting me. Um, but it's fun. No, but in all, <laughs> in all seriousness, I really think that we really need to check ourselves because sometimes – like, like, um, who, who was the gentleman that just said what, what he's, uh, about the political, that, that it's just a game and John Lee. Yeah. So like John Lee said, I feel like when we buy into it, we're buying into the world and we really need to check ourselves because yes, there may be people that will support and stand behind laws preventing gay marriage but are those same people going to recognize that at times uh, leniency in border laws allows refugees to come over and God may be using those things too. And, you know, God doesn't work in our political systems like like we think he does. It's I, I can't believe I, somebody wrote in the room chat, can you actually be saved and be a Democrat? Like, is this where we are? Are we to a point where, uh, because the, the battles that we fight are not against the, the things in the world. It's against powers and principalities, which if you dig deeply into what that means, we're talking um, spiritual control over our minds. And I think it's dangerous to get caught up in these, in these games because that's exactly what they are. You know, um, I actually had a revelation last night because I, 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 I keep, I try to be open-minded and I try to learn. So uh, my, my original, well, not my original, but my recent position on some of these, you know, there's, there's a lot of Christians that feel like, okay, yeah, there's so many conspiracy going on, conspiracies going on. 
and we need to stop it. But you know what? So for a while, my position was, okay, well, if you're a Christian and you think that you can stop worldly conspiracies to the point where it's just going to continue and everything's going to be hunky-dory, there's always going to be worldly conspiracies no matter how long. So now you're going to say, oh, come, Jesus, come. But the thing is, how self-serving are we, really? I mean, so if we want to, like, rush Jesus to come... How many people are going to fall behind because of that and not get saved? Because we were, you know, this is God's world, not ours. And I land. I appreciate the soapbox. I would say I hear a lot of good things you said. Um, I would say, you know, I don't think any any person is going to, you know, force the end of times. I think God has, God knows when that's going to be. Um, so, you know, while, yeah, while it's a very good reminder to not get so, uh, you know, to not think you're going to be the the one group or whatever, the one policy that's going to usher in end of days or not, or, you know, stop ultimate evil or release ultimate good. Um, You know, we do have a part to play. So um, I think it's worth noting not to get so incensed about everything Um, and, you know, do the most good we can. Right. So, I mean, if we have a choice between good and evil, well, let's choose good. So politically, like, well, we, we live in a world where we can vote, at least in this country. So, you know, let's, let's just, you know, calmly, coolly, casually vote for what we think will be the least evil or the most good. And, you know, maybe not make that your issue, like keep Christ at the center of everything. But since you get a chance to vote, instead of just, you know, throwing up your hands and be like, well, let the chips fall where they may. Like, okay, well, I think this will be the best choice and is more in line with the Bible and godly values than not. Um, and, and not get like super irate and like lose friends and, you know, like call each other demons over it. That's what I heard from what you said, Liz. I appreciate it. So Michael. my question is, though. Oh, increase the good. Yep. So, okay, if we want to focus on that, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask honestly, how can a Christian rationally support Trump? And I will, I will continue with that by saying uh, my father, who has been a Trump supporter, has told me that, uh, oh, well, I don't really support what he says or anything. I just support the policies he supports. Okay. Is that rational? I mean, how much of who someone is matters? This is a man who raped people in dressing rooms. Are you telling me those things aren't true? Hang on. Stop. I'm going to say it's an allegation from like decades ago. So right now, if the premise is true and he is indeed a vile rapist, then I would probably not support him. However, but you're assuming it's not true. And you're assuming it is true. So I'm saying right there with like absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Uh, I, I get that. But the, the converse is true, too. So you have he said, she said, and the evidence that we do have scraping back like decades ago, um, you know, there have been interviews with. Well, I mean, this one woman who like hit on Anderson Cooper, by the way, and they had to cut the interview short because she's insane and names her cat vagina doesn't mean it didn't happen. Doesn't speak to the veracity of the claims, but I'd say that's some evidence that makes you think twice. And then you have, you know, like interviews with uh, whoever used to work at the store at the manager. They're like, no, that would never happen. We know Trump. He's been here a lot. We always had security. They never let him out of the site. We always had front doormen that would keep track of him. So it's like, well, unless that's the day they didn't do their job. And he's just like, hey, for this one time, I'm going to take this woman and go to the dressing room and rape her. Um, I mean, it just seems like, you know, the evidence that we are able to garner suggests that that is not an accurate or valid claim. That's all. I mean, that's what my conscience tells me. If I honestly believe 
he was a vile demon rapist, I would not support him. There's but far more. There's far more credible accusations against Biden. Right. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> she said right until that. But yes, yeah, so I'd say, how can a Christian support? Um, yeah. Good one, Chris. So you know how I am a Christian and I do support Trump because of that. Like as far as the things he says, um, you know about you know they'll let you grab him by the whatever. Like even though Michael would say that's fine because it's consensual. Like if they let him grab them by the the nether regions, um, then you know a if it's consensual, it's fine. But as a Christian, that's not fine. That's immoral. You should not do that. Um, so however, what's your response that, to that? What my response is: He's certainly not a perfect man. This is twenty plus years ago on a recording. So has he repented? I don't know his heart. He seems to have gotten either for political gain um, and it's all a show or he's talked to enough sound doctrine pastors um, in the 2016 election and had enough pastoral advisors that someone has gotten through to him and be like, no, uh, if you thought you were a Christian, this is what the, the Christian life looks like. You need to repent. You need to confess Jesus is Lord. So uh, now it seems like he like takes like a lot of you know, Like Paula White. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, so maybe he's had ungodly advisor too. <laughs> Anyways, but he's had he's had he's had. Well, hang on, hang, hang, he's never hang, talked to a Christian. Uh, okay, well, we can talk about true, that, but but yeah, that's that's not. True. Look at Ben Carson. Like Ben Carson seems like a decent Christian. He was on the cabinet. Like Mike Pence. Like I cannot stand Mike Pence, but Why? I believe I'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think he is sincere, you know, and has has the correct gospel, has the correct Jesus. I think he's a devout Christian and sincere in his faith. Um, I don't like him for plenty of other reasons that we can talk about later. Anyway, so I believe that Trump has definitely heard the gospel. So that's what I would say to grab him by the whatever. He seems like he's, he's you know, a baby Christian at best. But still, I'm not going to say he's unchristian. So if he's like, oh, I repented, I recognize what it is wrong, then fine. I'm not going to judge him. So was his that being town said, hall full of gentleness and repentance? Or was is it this uh, Okay, that's combative. a great point. That's a great point. It was as combative as she was combative. He, in a perfect world, maybe he would have been like, turn the other cheek. However, this room almost every day, and especially oh. yesterday, was full this of Christian was full of Christian brothers in Christ calling someone else who was, I get, was obstinate and obnoxious, and it was very taxing, but they were calling them, you know, idiots and morons and stupid. Oh, hang on, let's get him mute you. That's really odd. Anyway, so this, this room full of people I know I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with, were not gentle or humble or respectful. So we can't force everyone to be Jesus. That's what I say to that. So if he's rough around the edges, he certainly is. Uh, the last thing I'll say, because I've been on the soapbox longer than you were, is there would be a time I could be persuaded. I would probably vote for, I'd vote for probably, uh, well, not Michael, because the moral po moral policies would, would bother me. But if there's, like, if there's like a, a you know, <laughs> pro-life atheist, they are out there, um, who is like, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I don't, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe God. You know, I, I like religious freedom. I want to do a lot of uh, things to protect all religions, uh, kind of how Trump did. But, you know, I want to give religious freedom, stop the persecution, you know, let them vote how they want, um, you know, and not, not mess with their tax status. I recognize their religion, blah, blah, blah. If there was a lot of, like, Christian-leaning or moral-leaning principles that an atheist uh, supported, I may vote for them over someone who says they're a Christian who is like super warmongering and like didn't really care about, you know, Christian religious stuff or, or morality. They're like, no, I'm just going to focus on all these other stuff over here to the side and probably get us some wars. Like I, maybe Jimmy Carter, like, you know, he was awful about like hostage crisis and gas and stuff like that. So I would maybe vote for an atheist over that who had more moral principles, um, who had a better head on their shoulders than, than a Christian. That's my answer to that. 
So Trump's policies are primarily what I like and what served this country well for four years. And now we see the opposite of that and how that's going in these four years. You know what's interesting? The the, the comparison between Trump and Pence that you kind of – or you, how you said you're not crazy about the other. So you know, as like from my perspective, if if I was sitting at a at a um, at a dinner table with Trump and Pence, because um, that would happen. Um, but but if if that happened, um, I would hand Mike Pence my wallet and say, "I'm going to get this back from you in a few days." I would not do the same to Donald Trump, um, because like I think I think Pence is wackadoo. Like I think the things he believes are out there. But I believe he's firm in his convictions, uh, which is why I think in some ways he's scarier than Trump is. Um, but uh, but I, I would trust him more. And I, I would say the same to, to you, Nate. Like I would hand you or I would hand Chris my wallet and say, you know, I'm going to come get this back from you in a few days over other people who profess certain things but display different things. And I think that's part of what Liz is getting at. Is that, you know, it's like from again, from my perspective, you know, Trump had this talent of being able to talk out of both sides of his face at the same time, which is admirable, but not particularly Christian, in my opinion. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, you know, the, the common thing is we're electing a president, not a Sunday school teacher. Can we talk about this Paula White thing, though, because like. Have th- this fantasy that Trump was surrounded by evangelical Christians is just is such a fantasy and is so dumb. Carson of Pence, that, right there. Carson of Pence, he was surrounded by okay, VP. First of all, Carson is SDA and he's radical SDA. He doesn't even think you're a Christian, dude. So, What's SDA? Okay. Uh, Seventh day. Seventh day Adventist. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, okay. Pence so, is Carson is a radical SDA. Okay. So, he's in a cult. So, Paula White is NAR, and she is an arch horrendous person. Like Michael talked about leaving his wallet with somebody. I wouldn't I wouldn't leave a dollar with Paula White. She's a thief. But, but Paula White and is she's, like she, she's on she's almost online with Kat Kerr for being hysterical. Like she's yeah. funny to listen. If you hear her talk, I I slap my knee with laughter when she starts talking because it's hysterical. Right. But she's also dangerous because she has the ear of Trump because she's all about the prosperity gospel. That's what Trump thinks the gospel is, is he thinks it's prosperity gospel like Kenneth Copeland. And this fantasy idea that has been peddled by the Trump camp, that Trump somehow is a baby Christian or some kind of crap like this, is just so patently false. It cannot go without comment. Like he is a pagan he will most likely die a pagan unless God chooses to regenerate him. And he, I, I, I just like Trump is horrendous when it comes to that. The only reason, and again, Shapiro will say the same thing. The only reason that Trump did anything relatively conservative is because all of the rhinos that populate Washington, D.C. wouldn't work for him because then they would be labeled as Trumpsters. And so the only people he could possibly get were actual conservatives that implemented conservative policy. Trump was too busy ordering McDonald's and playing on Twitter to actually be president and do anything. Oh, really? Was he also getting peed yep. on by Russian hookers? Was he also no. doing that too? No, but like, the, but this idea well, that like Trump Franklin is Grimm? somehow like conservative is just nuts. So, so are you? Gonna, well, I don't care about his conservative. No one's talking about that. We were talking about what religious advisors he had. 
Like, I don't know why why the con- the post shifted, but we were talking about Paula White and how she's nuts. Yeah. And I'm thinking of, okay. like, you know, Pence, I think, is solid. Like, Franklin Graham, unless you're going to say he's demonically possessed, like, he seems pretty solid. Franklin like, you know, Graham he seems to solid. have a hand. He seems to have a handle on the Gospels. I mean, again, like, I'm sure you've, like, you know, researched everyone's life history that you do. But, you know, when I was seeing, like, you know, him speak or your shows or in interviews, he's always, like, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Christ, Christ, Jesus. He is the way. He's the only way. So unless he, like, does that, and then when they're like, okay, Franklin Graham, I've called your hotline. I, I want to, you know, give my life to Jesus. And they're like, great, donate money and you're saved. Like, unless he does something like that, like, at face value, he seems like uh, he has a handle on presenting the gospel as not one of many ways, but the only way, and it's all by faith in Jesus. So, I mean, it, so. Sure, how you can cherry like, pick people, but my, but my. Does my he do nefarious stuff behind his, the scenes? Well, no, Franklin Graham is just problematic in other ways, but that, that's, that's neither here nor there. He's, he barely even talked to Trump. So, so the thing is, is like the main spiritual advisor he had is Paula White. So we have to deal with Paula White. Do you know who Paula White is? You just told us. Of course I don't know on my own. I only know what you oh, tell okay. me. I don't have time to research these <laughs> So things. do you know who Benny Hinn is? Yeah. Okay. So well, see, Paula know. White. Huh? I know one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Paula Paula White, when she, she was a, a quote-unquote pastorix in Orlando here. Um, and she had a long-going affair with Benny Hinn. Okay? Um, oh. It was found out that ended her first marriage. You know, then she got married to the new guy that she's got, and there there are substantive ideas that they have continued this affair throughout the years. The, and I'm not saying that to impugn Paula White, but Paula White is impugnable on her doctrine alone. But she's a scumbag. Like she, and this is who Trump says is his quote unquote spiritual advisor. You can look it up. Okay, so okay, I will take that, and I still, um, you know. I wonder, like, I, I'm sure, like, I mean, Pence, I says my fallback guy, again, plenty of problems with him. Don't like him as just a person. But unless you're going to say something, I, we don't know about him either. Like, he orders baby's bread from Michael. Like, I'm sure Trump has heard the gospel. So maybe he's rejected it. Maybe he's a bad guy. Maybe he's like, oh, I've heard your gospel, Pence. Uh, you know, I don't like you because, you know, the election stuff. So uh, I, I don't want your gospel. I'm going to have Paula Weiss gospel. Uh, great. I, I would probably not not support him as a brother in Christ. Um, and then the end of the day, it's it's policies, right? So do we want – first of all, how can a Christian – from that standpoint, right? If Trump's like, no, I'm not a Christian. I'm a prosperity gospel, blah, blah, blah. And then Biden's like, I'm a Catholic but does everything anti-Catholic. So how can a Christian support anyone if what you say is true? And, and I would say, you know, I don't know. We're electing a, a president, not a Sunday school teacher, or pick the lesser of two evils, or be a Jehovah's Witness and just abstain from voting. So at that point, um, you know, if I'm a Christian who has trouble supporting Trump, I'm certainly not supporting Biden um, on theological reasons. So it's like, well, what have we got now? The here and now, the policies that affect our everyday life, what is better for us as a country? What is better for me and my family? Um, It's certainly not the last four years. 2016 to 2020 was pretty darn good. It was prosperous. It was peaceful for everyone. You know, the rising tide lifts all boats, Um, except maybe China was a little unhappy, but so. Um, That's what I would say. So at the end of the day, Chris, um, as a God-fearing Christian man, would you, uh, who couldn't rightly support either one, by your estimation of what you say is true, um, would you support Biden over Trump? Or Liz, would you pick Biden over Trump? No, I've already said whoever the Republican nominee is, I will support that Republican nominee. However, I genuinely think 
and I agree with Michael here, the power of narcissism is in effect, that if Trump loses to DeSantis, he will be the spoiler for um, and run as an independent to make sure that the whole country goes down in flames. Because I think Trump loves himself way more than he loves America. I think that's an extreme hypothetical, though, because, well, I agree with what Lou said first, like, you know, with all the other people getting in the race, like you can see, like it's it's not like you can see there's a reason for it, right? Like not all of them are like enemies of Trump. Like you know, Trump actually said, you know, he was nice about Tim Scott because he's not threatened by him. He knows that he he doesn't stand a chance. So all these other people who know they don't stand a chance of giving you a nominee, they're doing it because they clearly, you know, want a position in cabinet. Maybe some of them are hoping Trump will pick them as VP. So they're doing it for like not intent. Like they're going to trash Trump and whatever. They're going to run a nice campaign, like uh, you know, like Carson did, and he ended up in his cabinet. So I bet that's the thought of a lot of them. DeSantis, he really wants to be president, and he thinks he can be president. And I think that's that's the reason, which also I think plays into some narcissism. Um, in, anyway, so yeah, I, I mean that's a hypothetical because if Trump, I mean unless Trump uh, or DeSantis knows something which would be really really bad, like you know, hey, just run for president, Trump won't be a problem. Wink wink, nudge nudge. Like, unless it's something like that where, you know, he's got, like, insider, like, knowledge, which would make him just way scummy, which I, I hope is not true because I like him, um, then Trump is definitely going to be the nominee, and that's just that. Um, so unless there's something like, you know, they freaking assassinate Trump or, like, literally haul him to jail, uh, not just, like, stopping by and, and going, uh, you know, paying a fine and leaving, but, like, incarcerate him, the Senate is not going to be the nominee. Uh, but Liz, well, did okay. you suggest we should stop talking about this? Yeah. Hey, just one real quick question. If what I say plays out and DeSantis does win and Trump does run as a third party to trash the country, would you then repudiate your belief in Trump? No, I would vote for Trump because I believe DeSantis was the first mover. DeSantis oh is the first one. Goodness. That, no, DeSantis. So you would vote for first... Biden over DeSantis? No. And I know you want to say that, you demon. That's, I would that, is what, that is what you would be doing. Did it, you vote for Ross Perot? It, it, uh, no, uh, that was before I don't. Even, I was not even old enough to vote then, um, oh, and I, I don't I'm know old. really anything about him. Yeah, father time. But Ross no, Perot. so I know you want to say, oh, you're vote, you're effectively voting for Biden. No, by DeSantis getting in the race when he knows, unless there's something like super scandalous going on, he is not going to be the primary. He is forcing that choice, so he is the one electing Biden by virtue of him being there. The other Republicans for nominees. I can give them grace because they they have to know they're not going to be president. They're doing it to be VP or cabinet. Picks. But why so why would you thing. why would you vote for someone that's uh, pro abortion? Uh, that's not pro life. Truly pro life. Oh, we've already talked about that a lot. Um, Trump Trump is not pro life. Uh, can I can I add to this uh, with a question? Yes, let this be the last one. Then we're gonna talk about something godly. Or I'm just going to yeah. get Paula White to start praying in tongues. Or Does she do that, right. Chris? Is that her thing? Is she a... Oh, yeah, big time. Big time. There oh, yeah. are memes big of time. her doing it. <laughs> okay. All right. So so religion and uh, politics, two of my favorite controversial topics. Uh, so that's perfect. Um, so my question is, so first off, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I don't support either party. But I would question Christians. And, and I, it's a question for you guys. Wondering, um, when, when we read in the scripture, Ephesians 5, um, and I'm just read it real quick, if you if you don't mind. And I yeah. just to give you an example. Um, this is Ephesians five, and this is six and seven. It says, "Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things come of the wrath of God." 
upon the children of disobedience. Do not therefore be partakers with them. So I would start by asking, do, do we think that that's referring to politicians and such? And I would say so, because then when I read in Ephesians 6 um, and 12, it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against authorities. Um, uh, hold on, let me see it. Let me read it right here. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the uh, of evil in the heavenly realms. So I'm wondering, like, how do we support and vote for these authorities in high places when we know they deceive people with vain words? Well, because the way, I mean, the way I take your point, so, I mean, you know, the alternative is be like a Jehovah's Witness and completely abstain. However, in the United States, we are all these authorities, right, uh, of the people, by the people, for the people. So we elect, you know, our one representative. So we are the people we're talking about. I, I get that's kind of a leap, but it's not entirely it's not entirely to be discarded. Like we are Caesar, in effect, like, you know, the way our government, our constitution is set up. All of us are Caesar. We just elect Caesar to have a voice. I think that's I think that's how it's made to seem, but it's actually not true because just a simple formation of a Democratic and Republican Party where they have to, you know, support uh, who's going to be even in the race many times before it can even happen. And we have to choose amongst their choices. It takes away true democracy where a person cannot just vote in their their favorite candidate. They have to align to a party to even be relevant in any election. Well, sure. Then I guess if you know, don't vote. I mean, yeah, uh, me point. personally, me personally, I, I'll, I'll vote on you know issues. I'll vote on particular uh, topics or you know, um, uh, in local, uh, I guess, uh, examples of, of voting. But I don't, I don't vote for particular candidates who I know support a party over you know because there's a, there's this thing is towing the party line uh, to even be you know um, put up in office or to even be put on the ballot to be elected. And so that, that in and of itself gives us a limited choice of either this party, or that party. So like what you were saying before, would you vote for Biden or would you vote for DeSantis? And those to you would be two awful choices, you know, a hard choice to choose between. And because you don't really get to choose who you think is the best. I mean, do we think that Christ would vote or even advise any of us to vote? I don't see how that could be the case. You get what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, Mac, but, like, again, the the reason we have two political parties in the United States is that everything has been drawn along broadly ideological lines. Are you left or are you right? And every single country is the same way. It's just that they will split their votes amongst multiple political parties. And it's because of the system that we have here in America that our political parties divided in two because you have one strong executive instead of a uh, parliamentary system where it encourages coalitions between groups. That's the difference. So the two-party system in America was always going to be that way based upon the type of electoral system that we have. There was never going to be a third choice, and there never will be, to be honest. Yeah, it's, Because everything it's, it's, is around broad ideological lines. And so, you know, the yeah, idea that... You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, like, the idea that you can be a Republican, I'm a Republican. Why am I a Republican? Is it because I love Republicans? No, it's because the Republican Party is at least 50% along the same ideological lines that I am. And so, 
I don't have any choice but to be a Republican because those are my only two choices as wild-eyed leftist Marxists or milk-toast <laughs> morons. So, you know, like, I'll take the milk-toast morons over the wild-eyed Marxists well, well, that why, want to murder me. Jesus so was a socialist, Chris. I, 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 I think... Well, hold on. I, <laughs> I think, Chris, to some degree, I, I think I actually agree with you and, you know, my view of politics in general, because I've, I've, I used to be, you know, adept in, in politics, supporters um, in a number of things um, on campaigns and such. Um, and then I got out of it um, because I've, I've, I've come to learn that, yeah, you're right. And that there, there will always, when you have a form of democracy, a way for, for people to try and control democracy by having majority parties. And this is a way to control democracy. By having majority parties, this is why you see it in all democratic nations. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised by its existence, but it's simply how can our battle be against the um, the the rulers and authorities and powers in high places if we're partakers with them by supporting them and voting for them and wearing their bumper stickers and banners? That is, it doesn't seem you know to be congruent to me. Well, I would say you know that you may have a point there, but I also you know by support. Do, I mean, you know, someone says, you know, I want life and someone says I want death and I pick life. Am I really supporting them? I mean, I guess you can say, but, you know, I'm supporting life. And, you know, not one time in my life have I worn a political, uh, you know, slogan T-shirt or bumper sticker or any of that. Um, no, that's that's weird. I'm not one of those people. Um, so I I take what you're saying. But just because you you know vote for someone who's going to affect your day to day life, um, you know, and policies and stuff they enact doesn't necessarily mean you you support them or even like them and certainly don't have their bumper stickers on your car. Um, anyway, so, does anyone have a question about Jesus? Yeah, let me address something real quick. When, when someone so no? uses okay. the pejorative Christian nationalist, what you are in effect saying is that there are people that are so far outside the broad ideological spectrum that we accept as a polite society that those people should be rounded up, put in camps, and either re-educated or murdered. That is what you are saying when you use the pejorative Christian nationalist, because that is the purpose of the pejorative Christian nationalist. So the next person who says that so-and-so is a Christian nationalist, I can only assume that you're a radical Nazi or you're a radical communist. One of Crap! Those. I was just about to call yes. you a Christian nationalist. But right? I mean, I just have to assume that you're just a wild-eyed person who wants to murder all opposition to your ideological position because that's the purpose of the term Christian nationalist is to dehumanize the other and make them an acceptable target to have liquidated out of society. That is the purpose of the term Christian nationalist. That's why I don't use that term anymore, Chris. We have an agreement. Yay! Um, I did notice a few of the uh, forbidden words. I don't think Chris said it, but uh, Bubs did yesterday, uh, Michael. So feel free to use that yeah. term against uh, that guy. Yeah, no, he he did, and it was it was funny because um, like after you had to leave, I had uh, I had a meeting that I had to go to, and then so I, I ended up I didn't want to, but I had to go to this meeting yesterday. Um, and then when I came back, um, the room had taken. And Chris was Chris, you were still here, but you were on the phone. Um, and the root had, the room had kind of taken a turn, so I just pieced out. Oh yeah, I meant to ask if they like set the room on fire when I let uh, you guys mind. No, it just turned into the everyday. Hey, you guys want to argue with Muslims? And they just kept it on till like five o'clock at night. 
Yeah, something like that. Seriously. Anyway, I'm about to go into a about to go into a meeting. So, uh, but uh, I'll be back if you're still here. Sure, sure. Hey Nate, I have another controversial topic on kind of hinging off of what you guys uh, were talking about, but not the same exact thing. If you're up for it, I don't know if yeah. you. Don't think I... <laughs> so, um, just the idea of um, most Republicans vote Republican because of one primary issue, in my opinion, um, is what keeps Republican Republican. And, uh, and it's called a Christian value, but I don't see it as a Christian value. That would be abortion. Um, I don't see abortion being a Christian value. I think it's something that Republicans use to keep people in line, keep people voting, um, evangelicals mostly, and in, in the extension thereof. And so the idea of abortion being a Christian value is what um, I was uh, bringing up. So being pro-child murder is... Good. I'm confused. <laughs> no, <laughs> Chris, I'm not saying that. So, so let me let me be fair, right? And I'll and I'll openly, you know, kind of state my position on it. Um, but I, I believe that um, I believe that the scripture teaches that life doesn't uh, come into play until one receives the breath of life. I believe that that's shown and proven in scripture through numerous verses. Um, that doesn't sp- speak to a, a fetus not having a life, but the life of the mother. Um, the, the oxygen and the, um, that, the, that the child receives directly comes from the mother, and therefore the life comes in the same way. I mean, the breath of life is in how a child receives their own life. But all that to be said, um, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily saying I'm pro-abortion either. I'm, I'm not. I'm not no, that's not the point. It's more so to say putting something, propping something up as a Christian value when the Bible doesn't speak on it, I think is a deceptive move. And I think that that happens a lot as a way of keeping political parties um, uh, in support of one group over the other. Oh, man. Well, yeah, I would no, not, the Bible I, absolutely speaks to it. And, and you're completely wrong about the breath of life. And the first thing you said, and then, Chris, you can go ahead, but it was, you know, you, I think you said that that's one thing is like one reason people vote Republicans because they use that as like a primary issue. Well, let's say there's lots of reasons. Like, you know, if I had another choice, I wouldn't be Republican. Like, I'm, I'm only signed up as Republican. So I can participate in the primaries in my state. That is the only reason. Like I have so many problems with them. I, I so many problems. But I am, you know, more on the conservative side, and I'm definitely a Christian. Um, so I mean, that's why it's not just abortion. It's like typically non non Christian related things. I mean, you could say stewardship, but you know, stewardship of our country. Um, you know, fiscal responsibility, which you know everyone talks a big game, but then they usually lie. Another one of my big problems. But at least they say. Uh, you know, they have better plans on paper, whether or not they actually do it. But I mean, that that's other, there's other reasons why um, education, the way they run things, the efficacy of government, not just saying how they're going to do good stuff, but the plans to actually logistically lay it out. Um, it, it just seems like typically for whatever reason, um, liberal or like liberals or like left people or Democrats seem to have like, you know, um, ideas but they fall in more of the like the arch artsy kind of spectrum of things like you know here's an idea here's what we want but we don't really know how to get there so they just throw money at it and throw money at it and then they're like why aren't we there yet and conservatives are a little more like you know tight-fisted sort of at least an idea with their money and they're more like thinking through like logicians they're like okay well we need to do this we need to put this structure to get this structure and then we can get this so it's just like a thinking pattern right like it's hope that makes sense some people are more thinkers some people are more doers so let it's me, not just an abortion issue. One, yeah, well, well, hang on, hang on, Chris. Well, hang on. I, I want Chris to go because he he's he on the phone right now. He's on the phone. Oh, okay. Right now. 
Okay, I'll say ahead. this in that, yeah, I think, Chris, I would like to dialogue with Chris on the issue. Uh, but let me just kind of back a little bit off. I didn't mean to imply that that's all Republicans care about. I said that that's the primary issue. Um, I do believe, and I even personally agree with you, you know, even though I don't pick a party or, or vote for particular people in parties and such, I do agree that from an efficiency and a prosperous standpoint, um, Republicans have shown and have a history of showing that over Democrats. But I think the primary reason why, you know, um, especially like fringe or, you know, voters and such vote Republican is that issue, I believe. Then the second would be money. Second would be efficiency, money, management, things like that. Um, and then other issues as well. There are many issues. I'm just saying that that's been, you know, seen as a primary issue. Like people have a hard I can't vote for someone who doesn't feel this way about abortion. Like, that's a hard line more than even money. I think a person would compromise more on money aspects of a candidate over, you know, abortion aspects of a candidate, if you get what I'm saying with that. I do. I'm not aware of any stats on it, so if someone could find some, that'd be cool. And, yeah, let me know when Chris gets back. It always shows people on the phone when they're not. But um, let's see what Ish has to say until Chris gets back. What's up, Ish? Yeah, it was good. What's on your mind today? Just in general. Did you have a question or comment for the room? No, nah, I was chilling. I was chilling. I was listening to what he was saying. I was, I had thoughts, but like, I'm kind of chilling. Like, I'm just listening for now. Okay. Well, let us know if you want to say anything. Uh, well, does anyone else want to talk to a professor until Chris gets back? Or have comments on that? I would just think that, uh, you know, when you leave today, you ought to shut the room down or you might come back tomorrow and hear about a whole bunch of flaming political arguments here. It's <laughs> probably a good idea. Uh, Liz, were you speaking? I see your mic's open, but I don't hear anything. Uh, Liz, if you're trying to talk, it's not working. Maybe leave and come back. I've been right. saying in Let's... the chat that, you know, uh, Christians are ambassadors of Christ and ambassadors of heaven. So, you know, if an ambassador to Germany was allowed to vote in American elections, uh, he would uh, vote with the German ethic. So, you know, we're ambassadors of Christ and that when we vote in America, uh, if we vote for something like abortion, we would be double-minded because we'd be voting differently in two different places. If we voted like that in heaven, we would crash to the earth like a bolt of lightning as Satan did. So, you know, we should use our Christian ethic to vote in America. Didn't Satan take like 33% of God's kingdom with him, though? Yeah. No doubt. Hello, son. What's up? Are you speaking? Yes, I can. Well, what's up? Glad you graced us with your presence on voice. Oh, because I'm not on a business call and I'm able to do more than listen and, and, uh, snark you from the from the audience you know <laughs> all right so what do you got um lots same old same old i don't want to take people off track you guys talking about how supposedly christians vote with their bible and their heart when it comes to abortion is that what you guys are talking about or what that's what someone posited 
Yeah, and as we know, I mean, that would be a disagreement for me. I'm sure you know why, right? Uh, I'm not sure I know your mind. Um, why? Oh. oh, just the simple reason that when we think about what the Bible actually does, it seems to either support killing babies, because that's what God does a lot, um, and tells other people to do it, uh, or it literally um, tells you how to perform an abortion in the bitter water experiment, right? I wouldn't say it's necessarily in a a prescription for abor abortion. It was more like, you know, if this, then that. Um, right. Yeah. So it talks that's about a, that's aborting a baby. It talks about aborting a baby, basically, mm -hmm. if someone's cheated, right? Well, so no, it doesn't. And that's something that a liberal theologian has told you. Oh, oh, no, no, no. It's what I read. I can read. Am I not as good of a reader as you, Chris? Hey, can you, yes, you son. Provide the source. Provide the source, son. Let them challenge the source. No, I don't, no, I don't, I don't tell Christians their own Bible verses when they say that a God wrote a book. They should know where it is. Well, I, I can dialogue with, because I, I think Chris, um, uh, I, I would have to say, I do think Son makes a fair point. He's just misusing the point. Um, I, I think it's undeniable that in Numbers 5, 11 through 31, when we know that they applied this to the camps, that they did cause abortion. I think it would be impossible for anyone to conclude otherwise. So so he's correct on that context. I could also go to Acts 22, um, 21 and 22, where it shows if two men are quarreling and um, and it and, and they hit a pregnant woman and it causes her, uh, uh, her to give birth prematurely, then it says that, what is given there, he will be paid recompense. But then it says, if there's further mischief, then you trade life for life, letting you know that the previous, if the, if she lost a child, it would not be trading life for life because under Israelite law, it wasn't considered life. I mean, I think these things are clear in scripture. No, they're that, not that, clear that, in scripture. That, and you keep re-talking re about liberal talking points that have no bearing to reality and it's starting to irritate what, Some of these things are factual. Okay, so let's go one point at a time. Would you say, Chris? That in numbers Christians five, disagreeing something. Now, now, and, and I think this is many times when, when Christians have conversations with atheists or people against the Bible, and we can't admit to the truths that it makes us look disingenuous. Because the fact of the matter is, when you look at Numbers 5, 11 to 31, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. When it says her erka, which means her thigh will fall away, something's falling away, and she cannot have children. Now, if she's cheating and she's pregnant, then what happened? And, and unless someone can honestly answer that question, they're ignoring the text. So let's not, we don't need to no, play the Matt, game. Again, you're just, you're just regurgitating leftist talking points. And again, you, well, you don't no have evidence for what you're saying. You you're guys, regurgitating leftist talking points. Why are you insulting him? Why are you insulting him, Chris? That's, right, like, right. that's, like, that's like denouncing his ability to read properly. Son, son just be quiet. Yo, ah, I just want to say, dude, this is why I don't come up. Because you guys can't hack it. Oh, yeah, so he wants to censor you now because boring. he can't defend his. Yeah, to say I'm just re rehashing liberal talking points, but you don't have a reputation for it is unfair. What I just I'm said. In the middle of, I'm in the middle of troubleshooting a network. I can refute this. Right, but not, I, I just need to sit down and do it. But like, just for you to claim truth and to say this is what this means, and you cannot. This isn't it, new, Chris. And to say that, and Chris, to say that new, there's dude. no other. Well, don't ever no talk. Other That's annoying. Idea that there's no other idea that conservative scholars have that you're just going to regurgitate liberal talking points and then just say, yeah, this is what you have to believe is just, it's disingenuous and it's irritating. You said all of that, but provide us the proper interpretation.
Because all you're doing is showing Christian confusion. That's why you guys got so many different denominations. Oh, you guys. Are you a Hebrew Israelite? Why are you even in this conversation? What do you mean, why am I in here? It says, ask a Christian. What the fuck? Uh-oh. Well, Uh-oh. Watch out. You might get booted room. for that. I mean, you should uh, get well, booted for that. I'll, I'll boot son instead just because he keeps over talking. Like, bro, I gave you a chance. I wanted to talk, but you can't be over speaking. So, yeah, yeah, oh, I got booted for that. I got booted. Yeah, you cussed like, uh, if you left the room open and left, that's an example of what it would be like. <laughs> well, I, I'll just say, you know, I think these conversations can be had without a need for contention. Um, if it's going to be fair, there are scholars who would disagree with what I said. There are scholars who didn't write the Bible who would disagree with what I said. That's fine. I have, I have no problem with a scholar disagreeing with me. There are scholars on both sides of literally every issue. So simply being a scholar doesn't validate what one author means in text. And and the fact of the matter is, so pointing to scholars is not a proof standard. And I think- I'm not pointing to scholars. You are pointing to scholars. Well, well, You're giving well, a liberal me, interpretation not, of a passage, I'm, claiming it's and truth, this, this, and then saying how you that know no one disagrees. Well, Chris, let me, let me finish. This is how you know I'm not giving a liberal interpretation, because I've read no other scholars on this, okay? I didn't read a scholar say, oh, that's a good idea. I just read the text. And that is, you cannot look at that text and not right. claim. But and you not don't know it. how to read the text properly because you've never been trained. And so, so give so, us the proper so, version, Chris. So we want to so first know. Off, first off, it's been, you know, it's been brought up a number of times. And, and maybe you need to take the time to read it, but there's no refutation. There's no actual evidence or, or a reference in the scripture for what you're saying. You're just making a lot of claims without backing. Again, your claim of what type of scholarship I have is just As a claim without backing or knowledge. You're like, doing well, the exact on, same but, thing but, but, and what, accusing what, me of it. No, what, what you're showing is your own standard of proof to be not having a basis. And so when you're saying these things, if you have information in the scripture that says something opposite, then I will regard that. But up till now, you've given none of that. So everything you've given in refutation is not. <clears throat> so I just yeah. have a thought. I just have a thought about five uh, numbers, five and 11 to like 30. Like it, there's a lot to it, a lot more than people evoked. So. It's not outright talking about abortion. Like, you can read into it, but you have to read into it. It talks about pain. It talks about bowels. It talks about losing thighs, which means thigh. Doesn't, it's not like a euphemism for a baby. It means a leg. Um, it talks about, you know, other stuff. Well, but well, it thigh, mean, thigh means womb it, as well. It's the same word for thigh and womb. I just looked it up. Yeah, I'll give you the Strong's word. But, yeah, yeah so, I mean, it, that's, it, that's, it doesn't. That's, that's thigh and womb. That's, that's, that's what it means. It means both words. Yeah, so it doesn't outright talk about specifically losing a baby. Like, you could say, well, that could happen because of these things, but you can't say rightly that this is some abortion prescription or something like that. So, I, Nate, so I, I would agree someone, with that. Well, well, son is the, that. Son, well, well, son is the first one to bring that up with, you know, you dumb Christians, evil prescription for abortion. So I guess, you know, the burden of proof, which there can't be, we would just walk through it. Um, how would you say that's in any way a prescription for abortion when it's specifically does not say that. Do you want to reread the Bible or defer to Christians about their own scripture? Or I'm open to suggestions. I'll say this because some does son, be son. Of me. I'll, I'll clarify. So I, I would agree with you, Nate, that this is not a prescription for abortion. And if anyone were to teach that, that would obviously be maligned in the text, but we need to regard it what it is on both sides. We don't get to take away from it, nor do we get to add to it. But when you read the scripture here, it is a circumstance where if a if a husband is jealous or thinks that his wife did something, 
He's not even sure because if you know an Israelite law, you have to establish everything about a matter of two or three witnesses. He may think she cheated, but he can't prove it. Therefore, he has no recourse. So he has this as an option. It's his choice to decide to take her to the temple and to drink the bitter water. And if she did cheat, her her womb, would, her belly would swell and her utka would fall away. Something would fall away. Okay, and it would cause her to be barren and unable to have children. So my question is, that's are just we going not to even that's or, just not even scientific. Well, like, what, what, whatever what, you're saying is just why, such why, nonsense. I'm, I'm just I'm actually just saying I haven't even made a claim off of it yet. I'm you just, just did. You just said it would cause her to slough off her uterus so she would I, be I barren. I read that in the text. No, no, no. Chris, I'm you're so triggered, but you can't provide yeah, the proper version that people have been begging you for. Maybe I should just read it so we don't have so so that we don't have any, you know. Um, I just uh, read it. Yeah. So so what I just said is literally just what the text says. I didn't even give him my own opinion on it at all. No, it's thoughts. not what the text says. Nate. Read okay, so text. I'll just read you the text. So we don't. Okay, so let me let me read verse twenty-seven. And when he has made her to drink of the water, stop. Read it in what? LSB. Read it in a real. Translation. Why why am I picking your version to read it in? Is the version I'm reading because not valid? Because it's more it's more clear in a modern translation. In your opinion. Not in my opinion. In Are you your serious? Opinion? Right of course it's your opinion. Of oh course that's your opinion. Gosh, you got all this time to rebuttal, Chris. Why don't you just present your position? I've studied every so, word in this entire uh, in this entire. So apparently. Oh my gosh! Let's reset a little bit, guys. I've so, got a headache and I'm hating this day right now. Yes, Todd, bring us back. So apparently, out of all of the Bible translations, there are two out of them that is trying to say something of the womb discharging and a miscarry. Apparently the NIV, which is a horrible translation, um, states that her womb would miscarry for this verse. And the NRSV uh, speaks of the womb discharging. And that is the only two that refer to the stomach or the abdomen, uh, or the thigh. All the rest don't uh, don't have anything to do with the uh, womb. So, and the word what's the deal? Is yarek, yarek, something like that. Yarek is the word, and the meanings. Uh, I mean, the base meaning is thigh, side, loin, base. The other meanings it could be is side flank area where the sword is worn, like that type of your, is that a tender, not a tender line, but that, that part of your fleshy side. So that's it. Um, that is the word. So no matter which, you know, translation you're using, that's the word that's derived from yarek. Yarek. All right. Well, is that solved? I'm going to leave now. Easy peasy. Thanks, guys. That was awesome. He did it again. I don't know. Is there anything else to talk about before I leave? There was a lot, but I mean, like I said, I only came up because I got invited. But uh, next time, I'll have some better questions for sure, and get get this uh, get this audience stirred up with uh, with infighting. <laughs> well, I mean, numbers did a pretty good job, so you know, congratulations. You've made the devil happy. Uh, Harlequin, what's up? You haven't got to say anything yet. Did you want to speak? Hey, what's going on? Um, welcome back to me. Nate, I'm just chatting with John, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, uh, where are we at with the topic? Oh, 
I was counting on you for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. No pressure. Well, I failed you. Sorry, Nate. So you are staying, Nate, or what? What's going on? Do we do we have more time to ask you questions, or? Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit now. Now things are a little bit quieter. My head is uh, pounding a little bit less. Yeah, if people can like keep from freaking completely out. Uh, well, yeah, that was that was more you guys freaking out. I think that guy was pretty calm and cordial. I mean, I think I was pretty calm and cordial. I don't think yeah. I did any yelling or over talking really. Yeah, I did the yelling. No, it's more of a vibe. I think it's more like the tone of your voice and the way, that, like the meter you speak. But um, I think that guy was really cool and reasonable. But I'm sorry that he had to leave. Sorry that you guys can't handle that. <laughs> Professor Mac like constantly goes against logic. Like the dude wouldn't know logic if it bit him in the face. Well, he's a Christian, which it has many, many times. No, he's not a Christian. Oh, he's not. Okay. So, no. well, so, so that would he, be uh, like. Um, well, I mean, son, that would be like if you're like, guys, I'm a Christian. And then, you know, you say everything how you normally do. Would be like, bro, you're not a Christian. You'd be like, who are you to say I'm not a Christian? Like, well, everyone would say you're not a Christian. Like, but I say I'm a Christian. One of those things. So Professor Mag doesn't claim to be a Christian? He claims, he claims it, but no, no, he doesn't saying, believe in I, I, Eternity, so he's not a Christian. Oh, right, right, right. He's one of those evil Unitarians he's that one are of wrong. Those, That's no, right. he's oneness. Yeah. He's, are they all going a, to hell? He's in a, yes. He's in okay. a cult called Oneness. Wow. God, sounds sounds spooky, you know. It is spooky. It's really weird. All that oneness instead of three. Yeah, I'm sticking around. Spooky. Yeah, Sefa, we're not lying. Professor Mack will himself tell you that he is oneness. Yeah, he's the Unitarian, right? No, it's no. different. Oh, it's different. Okay. <laughs> the Unitarian Just start calling yourself doesn't... a Christian, son. Unitarians fine, I mean... don't believe in the deity of Christ. Oneness does. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, who knows? Am I right? No, you're Like, you're like you right. guys don't know, right? Like, you don't know if Jesus is actually God or God is No, Jesus. we do. We have oh, epistemological certainty. Oh. Hey, D, so, welcome. How are you today? Uh, today well, is just as crazy as yesterday. <laughs> it's not normally like this. <laughs> well, last time I was on the stage, I got kicked off, but hopefully this me. time I won't. You didn't, so that's why I'm back. <laughs> um. Okay, I do have a question. Um, I'm not oneness. Uh, I, re I was raised in the Trinity, but what is the book, chapter, verse that indicates that you will not make it to the kingdom of heaven if you believe in the Trinity? And to be honest, it's not, it's not as like clear cut as believing in a different way, but I understand why the Trinity has an existence. John 20, 31. Okay. Wait, hold on. Let me. I'm at work, so they're calling me in. What's the? Uh, I'm gonna just pull up the verse and look at it later. What's the verse again? John twenty thirty one. John twenty thirty one. All right, I'll get a chance to read that. I gotta go on hold for a second, and then um, I'll come back when I get a chance. Okay. Sure. We'll try to stick around. Now I gotta read that. Twenty thirty one. Oh, so how how do you uh, make the case for the Trinity specifically from this? Well, she didn't say that. She said, um, if you do not believe, uh, that you go to hell. So. Oh wait, did I completely mishear? Is, is this, has this day caused me so much PTSD? I completely <laughs> miss. I completely misheard her. She said she believes in the Trinity, but she wanted to understand uh, why it is and how. I guess from scripture, what, how we can say that those who don't believe in the Trinity uh, can go to hell. 
And I said, John, 2031, which says, which of course I'll just read it, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So if you don't believe that he's the Christ, the Son of God, then you don't have eternal life in his name. You are damned. Now, this presents a question. What is the difference in Professor Mack's understanding of Jesus being the Christ, the Son of God, and the Trinitarian's understanding of what this means? Okay. There's, there is the crux of the matter, and there's other verses we can go to, of course, plenty, that uh, shows the, dis- the difference. So one has to be correct and one has to be wrong. Whoever has the correct version of the Godhead is in line with the law of Christ and has the correct belief. And that is what this whole thing is about, the proper belief about what Jesus Christ is and who he is. So that's what we have to do. We have to defend the proper truth. Okay, yeah, so I don't think that's going to answer her question because, yeah, then it's going to take, you know, explaining it. Which I would say, you know, it's, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I was going to, I don't know no, how long I'm, be gone. I'm back. And oh. no, that didn't answer my question. But I would say, like, I, I would wonder if Chris can take a networking break because I'm sure he's got a thorough answer. But I would say, you know, this is all predicated on, you know, the, the Bible verse, which I don't have now, that talks about, you know, the Holy Spirit will live with you and guide you into, like, you know, truth and understanding. And so it's kind of predicated on that. So then the claim is from, a Trinitarian, a Christian, Chris would say, that if you, you know, if you believe the Trinity, like whatever your doctrine is, you would say, okay, so because I have the Holy Spirit of God himself living with me, guiding me and leading me on the correct path of understanding and truth and all that, because of that, now I have the correct truth because God living with me has shown me the correct truth. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he will show everyone who truly has the right idea of God, uh, who truly is saved by Jesus, he will show them the correct way. And since I have the correct way, he will show them the correct way, which is also my way. So it's kind of like because of that. So we're saying, well, if you have this, the Holy Spirit living with you, guiding you, every, and, and this is my belief, then everyone is going to believe the same way about you know the deity of Jesus and the Trinity and things like that. That's what it's predicated on. So it's, it's a claim. And then if people are like, well, no, I'm a Unitarian and the Holy Spirit lives with me and I have the correct truth. So if you don't do that, then you're not a true Christian. It's kind of like that thing. But, I mean, I, I do happen to believe that. So, I mean, you know, I see the Trinity throughout the Bible. Throughout the first page of the Bible, I see the Trinity. Um, when Jesus is being baptized, I see the Trinity. Like, there's all these instances throughout the Scripture where you see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit independently operating as, as you know, their own person. Um, and that that's my belief. And I believe I have the Holy Spirit of God that's, you know, led me to this conclusion. So I believe everyone else that, you know, has enough time to, like, go through these Scriptures and read and, you know, being led by the Holy Spirit if they're willing and able then they will be led to the similar conclusion that there is the Trinity. And then anyone else can, you know, make a counterclaim. So fine, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Um, We would also say, though, like even Chris would say, you know, it's not necessary to believe the Trinity because, you know, if all you know is Jesus, you know, somehow is God, is God's son, is the chosen one, is the Messiah, has been sent here to forgive you of your sins. He paid the price, his death, burial, resurrection. You believe that. You ask him to make you born again, give you eternal life, forgive you of your sin. You repent. Stop what you're doing you know is wrong. 
then you will be saved. At that moment, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and you've not heard anything about the Trinity, and you get hit by lightning. You're going to heaven. Um, we would just say, like, you know, you're not going to reject it. So after a time, you're going to be led, right? The Holy Spirit doesn't say you're going to be, like, immediately downloaded all information about God, but you're going to be led into truth and understanding. So along this leading, if you start getting, like, glimpses of the Trinity, you're going to pursue, pursue this path until you're like, yes, I get it now. I see it. Um, versus like putting up walls and hardening your heart and be like, no, no, it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. I don't believe it. Um, that's when we would say that's problematic. But ultimately, only God knows where you are in that path and only God knows your heart. So, um, yeah, I, I'm a lot more hesitant uh, to, you know, pronounce not a Christian on people uh, because, you know, I'll tell them what I think. And, you know, if they want to know what I think, I'll tell them. But, um, you know, God's are judged. Judge, God knows their heart. Um, we can see by their fruits. But that's that's kind of where we get that and what we think of that. So, so I I get where you're coming from. Um, but that's what I was saying. The book chapter verse of how what is considered salvation and how um, who is determined to be where they're supposed to be is exactly what you just said. So you know, it's it's to make the jump to say that. Well, then if you don't believe in the Trinity, where the precept of you know believing messiah that he was resurrected and everything that entails with you know who christ is is what the bible states is an indication of whether or not you get everlasting life i think when we're trying to throw in oh and also you got to believe in the trinity that's when it kind of gets a little bit complicated because in the bible even though there are examples of the trinity being evident it doesn't indicate that you have to believe in the Trinity in order to, you know, and for a word like, and I'm not even trying it, to argue against does. the Trinity. It does. It does. But it, but it does. But what he said, what Nate said in regards to this is what you need to get everlasting life. Plus, it didn't say plus you have to believe that Jesus is God. It doesn't say that. I might believe that. It that does be say my, that. That's my faith. It does say that. But if you does, reject well, that Jesus is God, then uh, you well, will hang on. go to hell. Chris, well, what's the verse? Wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. There's two different things. We were talking about the Trinity, and now we're talking about the deity of Jesus. I just want to point out that's that's two different categories. Okay, well, so, now, I'm not, so, I'm more so speaking about the Trinity. I, I know who Jesus is, so I'm not really, I'm not saying it in that essence. I'm speaking about the Trinity, the book, chapter, verse that says if you reject the Godhead. And if it is, then that's great, so that I can share it with other people, because I do believe in that. But... To say there's a verse that indicates what gives you everlasting life. So I just, we got to just be very clear and cautious about what hell we're sending people to. Right. So no one's sending anybody to hell that the scripture itself declares in John chapter 8, in no less two places, that if you do not believe that Jesus is God, you will die in your sins. John 8.28, John 8.58. Okay, that's perfectly clear. The reason that we would say that the Trinity in terms of understanding the Trinity is not salvific to somebody who just comes to Christ is because you don't have to know all of the doctrine of the Christian faith in order to come to Jesus and believe. What we would say is that the evidences of a true believer is that they do not reject Christian doctrine when it is taught to them. So when we have somebody like a Professor Mack that um, has been clearly taught the Trinity and continues to rebelliously reject the Trinity, 
we would say that Professor Mack is outside of the Christian faith because of that. Okay, the the reason for this is because a rejection of the Trinity, the something called penal substitutionary atonement, on which the Christian faith rests, and Paul makes this argument all through the book of Romans. Okay, it's a theological argument that Paul builds for the first nine chapters of Romans. And so when we when we say that, you know, so-and-so has studied the Trinity and has outright flatly rejected it, that has consequences theologically for that person. It also has consequences in terms of their eternal salvation because they are not believing in the correct Jesus. They are believing in a fictionalized Jesus that they have made up in their minds, not the Jesus of Scripture. Does that make sense, D? And also, trying to use the Bible as book, chapter, verse as proof texts is not how we read the Scripture. Ancient texts, sacred texts are not, oh, I got this verse, and I got this verse, and I got this verse. That's not how it's done. How it's done is that we take the entire context of Scripture, and we derive doctrine from that. And so to say that we can build a Scripture on this series of, so we can build an argument on this series of proof texts is not how we do Christianity. Christianity is done through systematic theology. Uh, I'm listening, I'm just at work. Okay. So I hope that yeah, all scripture uh, has a vote in the election for sound doctrine and systematic theology. If you don't use every verse for to form doctrine and systematic theology, the verses that you do not favor is like a suffragette. It has no right to vote uh, to make your systematic theology and you can end up being a Unitarian because you leave out verses which teach that Jesus is God and a triune Got here. <clears throat> Hello, Brian. Welcome, welcome. Uh, well, let's see. Anything else since I guess D is working? Chris, how are those uh, network cables coming? Wonderful, wonderful. Mm -hmm. You're not on lunch break, are you, Lou? Harlequin, anything else uh, from you? Um, unfortunately, no, but I maybe I'll pull something out. I'm still talking with, um, well, actually, no, I'm just watching Daniel and, and John talk. It's actually kind of entertaining. What's the conversation when I catch us up? At this point, I don't even know. It kind of got hijacked, but I'm okay with that because, uh, and I was trying to, I was trying to help John out. Um, but you know, my beliefs are, you know, they differ from the mainstream. Let me ask you, Nate, how do you, what do you take the Matasha Christie to be? Like, what do you, how oh. significant do you, oh, do you see that as? 
Oh, sorry. I just saw Brian says, Nate, I'm at the hospital. My father-in-law is found this morning unresponsive. Ooh. Would approve. Oh, definitely, Brian. Yes, uh, appreciate our prayers. Uh, yes, of course, Brian. And uh, yeah, hope for the best. Let us know uh, how it goes. Uh, what were you saying, Harlequin? A hundred and wow, that's that's a high temperature. Oh man. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that, Nate? I was just uh, reading what the were chat. You asking? Oh, I was asking about. So, um, what are your thoughts on the Imitatio Christi? Would I just you know? Fancy Latin, just to mean you know, imitating Christ. So it's not to preclude the the resurrection, right? But when we're talking about the Imitatio Christi, we're just we're not talking about you know the latter. We're talking about imitating Christ, the life of Christ, the message of Christ, both in his actions, right, and and of course in his words, and and the way in which those themes play a role in in the broader scope of what the Bible, you know, is telling us. That was a long question. I apologize. I mean, I guess what do I think about should we imitate Christ? I mean, we're yeah, called like, to be imitators. Like, we're you, called to be you... imitators of Christ. Yeah. So, well, so I mean, maybe I should ask a different question, um, like a more pointed one. Uh, I don't want to ask that question. I ask it too much. I just don't ask see it. a need for the resurrection. Um, and And like when John was saying, you know, Quoting scripture to suggest that well, it's it's everything, and I you know I hear this and I, I understand, but at the same time I don't because I just see it as like the recapitulation that well this is going to make it internally consistent, but only because it's, it was created to be that way. And what's more is it's not providing that this apologetic isn't providing like how it actually um, like necessarily had to be that way, um, or, or even how like. Uh, beyond just like a, the idea of a scapegoat, how this is like, you know, something we would even expect to see or outside the idea of, you know, there being yet another um, God man myth of which there were plenty, you know, in the past, like outside of those two ideas, like why, why would I expect Jesus to need to die and, and rise from the dead when his message is sufficient? But I mean, granted, I take the message probably differently than you, so. Well, I, I mean, you said, you said out of, you know, outside of those two reasons, well, I'd say, first of all, I mean, those two reasons are two reasons. So, I mean, that that would be two reasons right there. So if for no other reason than those two. Right, right. But no, also, and I don't want to like, it, yeah. It, it, Sorry, it was a, I mean, it was a, it's a sign, right? So like Paul talks about and Chris talks about, say Chris, uh, talk about how, you know, Paul says that if it's not for the resurrection uh, for this, for Christianity, then we need to be pitied. We're pitiful creatures for believing in something that's clearly a lie. So, I mean, we need the resurrection. Like that's well, What's the lie, the though? You mean the resurrection is the lie? Well, right. It's, it's like we're if, living if, in life. Like, like, if, the, if, the, resur like right. if the resurrection didn't happen, that's what the entirety of Christendom is predicated on, right? The, the well, that part might be a mistake or a lie. Well, I think the rest maybe of if it? I was able to finish my sentence. So it's oh, I'm predicated so on the resurrection of Christ. So if he didn't resurrect, if he's just another guy that got crucified and stayed dead, then there's no reason to be a Christian because it obviously is not true. So the truthiness is in the resurrection. So that's why it's important. Like Jesus said, I mean, you know, this is going to be, I mean, you could call this a sign and wonder, like a guy comes back from the dead. He says, no one takes my life. I lay it down and I will pick it up again. So if he didn't pick it up again, well, there's no reason to be a Christian. Like he lied. It's false. But It'll the, be something else. So I hear you. Um, and I do want to do justice to what you said. I appreciate your response. Um, 
shoot, I think I'm going to lose the first point I had, but well, I think just in general, when we're looking at like what's worthwhile to, you know, what's worth holding on to, I guess you could say, why is it the case that like you would disregard the message of Christ? Well, how close connected do you feel to his message if you could so easily abandon it? Like, what does the idea of, of being saved by grace mean to you outside of just the notion of Christ um, in this very broad, abstract way? And let's face it, it's abstract if only in the sense that, like, you can't really conceptualize um, him, him, you know, forgiving all of mankind's and the sins are washed away. We, we'd have to use analogies. And so I, I say this because, like, I, I feel like what is more meaningful, what you could maybe relate to, what I certainly relate to more closely is like, for example, if say I've wronged somebody and they have every right and reason, be it legally or just, you know, uh, in terms of like community standards, they have every right to, to demand retribution or, or some sort of compensation for the way I wronged them. But let's say they instead decide to show me grace. That's powerful all on its own. And that's, I feel the message you know, that Christ is, is saying, you know, it's, it, it goes to the Mount. It's, it's a common motif. I mean, could you at least grant me that, that it's a common motif? Well, sure. I can grant you that, but I mean, that, that's like, apples, that, well, that's like apples and rotten apples. I'm, I'm forgiven. How is that useless? Well, I avoided, you well, no, know, I could have been, I'm just trying to answer Chris, but yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah, here, here's why. Because, you know, it's a great message. Like, maybe you could take that in some naturalistic way. Be like, oh, if someone wrongs you, you could just forgive them for, for no reason. Just forgive them because of grace. Because, sure, because... that's a good natural... Well, hey, uh, can I finish? Yeah, sorry. Because, because that's a good natural message. But for Christianity, yeah, if, if the resurrection is important, if you don't believe the resurrection happened, well, then you're not forgiven by grace through faith. That, that's what we're saying. So, like, it may be an okay secular message on its own to teach someone something, but for your eternal life, that means if Jesus lied and he was not resurrected, then you are not forgiven by grace through faith because it, it's all aligned. It didn't happen. So that would be a terrible message because you'd effectively be lying and saying, hey, you're forgiven by grace. Just have faith. But you're wow. actually not. So you're lying. Right. So, so let me lay this out the way that C.S. Lewis did to answer the exact same question you just had, because this is what Gandhi asked him. Okay. So in his debate with Gandhi, he came up with what has been classically known in Christian apologetics, I'm sure you've heard it, of the trilemma. You know the trilemma? Liar, lunatic, or lord? Yeah, sorry, I was in the, the chat. Which, and I just, I, I, know, I know you have a follow-up, but just to be clear, like, I, I think there's another option. You know, like, you can be mistaken, but yeah. I mean, liar, lunatic, lord, or legend is the other option. Yeah, legend, too, but I think you could be mistaken. And, but yeah, I, I'm sure you had a follow-up, so I don't want to sidetrack. I'm not real sure how you could be mistaken with Jesus claiming to be God throughout the New Testament. Okay, that's that, that's that's not mistakable. Okay? I don't think it would be um, like a one mistake, right? That would be a bit cartoonishly simple, right? I, I think we do make mistakes all the time in in our errors. Like we make errors in our judgment all the time, and we're not even like aware of it. Like you know, confirmation bias is a is a insidious thing. But um, I feel like I'm you had more sure to say, Chris. I don't want to. I'm not sure what your point is. Well, I just is. thought to legitimize that as an option, but um, but yeah, like legitimize I said, legitimize what? I'm not even sure what you're talking that, about. That uh, like being mistaken is isn't is like an alternative. Being mistaken for what? I mean, the the argument is predicated on the fact that Jesus himself claimed to be God over and over and over again in the Gospels. Uh, that I would if, also disagree with, but right, right, okay. So again, 
anyone who's reading the Gospels with a clear eye and is really getting at what the author's intention is in terms of I'm the trying, Gospels. Chris. I mean, right. when he I says understand. that I'm in the Father... Sorry, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you, but I... I uh, yeah, I mean, I can... Look, if you want to start coming to the classes at 9 o'clock on Wednesday nights, like, we are I gotta doing come to how to then? actually... Well, I mean, if you want to learn how to really read the Bible, we're going through the hermeneutics, the hermeneutics right now. They are on replay. You can go to Pastor Mark's profile or my profile, and you can. I appreciate listen to the invite, and I'm sure I, I, I learn a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah I mean, uh, would you be? So, yeah, go ahead. So I have the answer to your original question. You know, if uh, Christ be not risen, we're to be most pitied. You know, the reason for that is uh, if Christ be not risen. Uh, he was not able to go into the heavenly holy of holies as our high priest and sprinkle his blood on the mercy seat to finish atonement. The atonement would be incomplete without that. And 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 honestly, yeah, what Brother Miller is saying is correct. And obviously, you know, Paul makes this argument in First Corinthians 15. Um, but what C.S. Lewis said in the trilemma, I'll lay out the trilemma for folks. Jesus claims to be God throughout the scriptures. If we establish that, okay, then what we have is that Jesus can be one of three things. If we're taking Jesus to be a real person, okay, so we're going to throw out legend for right now. But um, so he can either be a liar because he was lying about being God. He could be a crazy person because he thought he was God and he wasn't. Or he can be God. He can be who he said he was. Those are your only three options, logically. Your idea of being mistaken, like, so Jesus was mistaken about being God? So what, we just, we no, just take his... No, that like, uh, that, like... Or we're mistaken that... Isn't the right, case. So, so again... We're mistaken so again, for interpreting right, it that way, yeah. Right, exactly. So again, that's, that's not following the argument. We're already stipulating the first premise is Jesus claimed to be God. Premise one, okay? This is what Lewis establishes. So if we're talking about the trilemma, this is where we're at. Now, if you well, want, I'm, I'm happy to have this conversation, Chris. But like, I, I could yeah. either grant you that, and I, I can do that if if you really, because I feel like you did have something else you wanted to say. But to be clearly, like, just because I want to be honest, I otherwise wouldn't grant you that. Like, I don't believe that's the okay. case that he that he claims that. I, I I find it at least questionable. And okay, that was well, that's a, that's a different discussion. Really. That's a yeah. different discussion that we're talking about. That's an external critique from Christianity rather than an internal critique. Is so it? I mean, I feel like it could potentially it be both because no, it, it absolutely is because for two thousand years this is what Christianity has been defined as, and so we well, don't get to like, that's just the well, appeal to no, popularity, right? I mean, no, it's people not, go to McDonald's it's not Vox because McDonald's is substantive, right? I mean, I mean, we could, but it would establish that McDonald's is a restaurant. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, agree. Like, you know, I mean, like, we're not going to we're not going to make other claims. What we're going to say is the historic Christian faith. Has all, so for an internal critique to be an internal critique, we have to be talking about what the what the historic Christian faith has taught. If we're going to take Unitarianism or some other, you know, um, heresy that has been declared heresy by the Christian Church for two thousand years, you know, all bets are off at that point. It's an external critique to Christianity. Okay, so when I'm not to going. Understand- Sorry, I didn't mean to head you off, but I think I understand where you're going. I just wanted mm-hmm. to add that if, if you are trying to understand the totality of the book, you have to understand its surrounding contextual environment. So you would need necessarily to regard extra-biblical sources to understand how people in general, more broadly, like how do people generally write in this time period when they're trying to express sure. X, Y, Z, you know, concept in this period, yep. in this location, right? Yes, yeah, 
right? So I totally agree with that. So, so again, now in terms right. of what Lewis just said, to be, with just the have a Sure, of course. We we have to know the cultural and political and you know geo, uh, geographic context of everything that's going on for the authors and the time that they're living, what the audience is. All of that falls under hermeneutics. Absolutely. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the plain reading of the text that can be divorced from all of that stuff. And again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into the arguments about Jesus being God. We can do that at a different time. What I'm trying to establish for this particular argument, internal to Christianity in terms of an internal critique, the resurrection is necessary because Jesus would either be a liar, he would be a lunatic, or he would be who he said he is. Now, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, you're left with him not being who he said he is, and now you're reduced to he's either a liar or a lunatic, and all of his teachings at that point would be absolutely suspect. And so if we're going to say... I appreciate the suspect part, because maybe I would agree with you there. That's where I think you diverge a little from Nate, and I don't know if it's significant or if it's trivial. I feel like it's significant to me because uh, suspect. I feel like I get on board with maybe. I'm fine with what Chris again, says. I just, I, I, I can I just say suspect. this one last thing and then. What's that, Nate? Sorry. No, you're good. I just want to say I'm fine with suspect. That's fine. Oh wow, you said that like lightning speed. I was like, what? Um, let me just say this last thing, Chris. I appreciate you know you engaging with me. Um, so my understanding of hermeneutics is. Um, because I don't think I was I was trying to appeal to hermeneutics. That, that to my understanding, is um, when you're trying to discern uh, between something like uh, when we are um, em- employing something like a literary device versus when we're looking at what was thought to be more so like an actual accounting, like a literal accounting of events. And sometimes it's a num- it's a combination, right? Like anyway, um, at least according to like in my opinion, right? Um, and I think that represents scholarship too. But that's hermeneutics. I was trying to get more so at the idea of um, when we when we attempt to understand language, just and how you know people use language, so we can try to know what they meant, even before we get to like, is this a metaphor? Is this literal? If that makes sense. But anyway, I've, I've talked way too much. So yeah, I mean, look, current current scholarship is going to go along one of two lines. It's either going to be in the rationalist postmodernist line, or it's going to be in the conservative theology line. Okay. Like you're, you're, you got those two choices. And so whoever you're going to listen to is going to give you a radically different interpretation of the scripture um, based on what their presuppositions are. So if your presupposition is, postmodernism and, you know, documentary hypothesis, et cetera, et cetera, you're going to have a radically different interpretation than a conservative scholar who is looking at the text the way that it has been done for thousands of years. So modern scholarship is not going to agree with most conservative scholarship, and most conservative scholarship is not going to agree with modern scholarship. There's, there's a huge divide the two sides don't even talk to each other. They don't even read each other's or respond to each other's, um, you know, scholarship because the divide is so huge that it, that, that the presuppositions themselves would be the area of attack rather than the minutia of whatever the argument is. Well, so Chris, and I appreciate everything you said, and I can see how like, yeah, it would funnel you into those other subsequent beliefs. But so then Chris is what you're really saying here is that it's like, there's a need for a revolution I mean, why are there only two choices? That doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem American. Well, I mean, 
no, we're not saying there's a need for a revolution. I'm saying that the conservative scholarship is correct and that the Johnny-come-lately scholarship is a bunch of nonsense because they're starting from presuppositions that damage the credibility of those particular scholars in terms of their interpretation. I'm saying there's only one choice. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get you. Um, because, like, I'm not trying to suggest that, like, you can just take upon any, like, set of assumptions and think that, like, you're going to end up with, like, a theology that maps. Like, some theologies just aren't going to map. Like, they're not all equal. I get that. But, um... I don't odd itself like philosophically I would be looking at that logically um and then I would also separately look at that like theologically and then I might try to like reconcile the two but even before we get to the reconciliation or the theology just looking at like a, a god as existing as like some sort of extrinsic being that I am not convinced of so that's one of the reasons why and I and don't mistake me here it's not like a catalyst or an excuse but it just it follows and it's kind of just what you said, really, Chris, like how one thing will kind of funnel you into the other. But I, I, I see it happening like this isn't um, completely out of my hands. I think it, it follows. It's not an extrinsic being. Um, you know, therefore, I can take from, you know, this idea of being saved, you know, um, interpersonally, you know, intersubjectively between you and I, because I, I, I see that as important. I don't I don't see there being um, an unimportance with people. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just rambling at this point. So again, I appreciate you, uh, you guys talking to me. Sure. Yeah, and I think uh, I I will have to exit now. Um, and what the heck is going on in chat with John and Daniel? <laughs> I can't read all of it. It seems <laughs> pretty. Even seems know. pretty. Seems pretty crazy. But um. John anyways, is maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. What's happening. I'll be a little late tomorrow. I have to attend my child's elementary grade graduation. So yeah, I'll be a little late. Um, so have some good topics ready. Anyways, thanks for being here, everyone. Uh, Michael, welcome back. Hey, hey. Leave. listen, given, given the situation, if you were going to pass mods to anybody now, or given what happened yesterday, it's got to be me. Just saying. You know what? You want it? <laughs> no, I'm going to go. Hey, but yeah, I mean, like Bubby, Bubby modded up all the, um, the other guys and, that's when the, the room kind of who, spawned off into a different room. I'm just who gave that. mods to Bubby is the question. <laughs> that was, Me. That was Nate. <laughs> Before Nate's you go, Nate, just want to remind everybody, all, all brothers and believers, if they can pray for Brian, don't forget yes. that. Is he still here? I, I doubt it. I, I think he's probably okay. dealing with the other stuff. But yeah, Brian, Brian's father-in-law is in trouble, and we just need to pray for him. So. Yeah, so remember that I was going to send a message. I'll do it after I end this. Anyways, all right, everyone. Take care. See you tomorrow. Thanks, guys.